The Women's IP World Annual 2019-2020 Front Cover Women's IP World Annual Dedicated to Women in Intellectual Property Law and Innovation Profiles, Articles, Rankings, Experience, Achievements, Accolades plus much more inside Sponsored by Patent Seekers, the Global Patent Searchers, and in association with Innovation Women Page 2 Inside Front Cover Advertisement Foga Daily, Attorneys at Law, Patent and Trademark Agents Client-focused, Solutions-oriented, Innovative Trademarks, Copyright, Patents, Design Foga Daily's pioneering founders are women of excellence in IP, who have built a dynamic team to expeditiously resolve even your most complex issues. Foga Daily founders, Diane Daly and Nicole Foga Contact, info at fogadaily.com Telephone, 8769274315 Fax, 8769275081 www.fogadaily.com Page 3, Editor's Note, and Contents Page We are delighted to present you with the launch edition of the Women's IP World Annual 2019-2020, celebrating women at all levels working in IP law and innovation. From the very beginning, the response and feedback we had was amazing, and we would like to thank all of the incredible women involved. Our aim was to celebrate a group of diverse women, from all over the globe, showcasing their achievements and also their personalities to inspire and inform. We have taken an unbiased approach and kept the articles and profiles as authentic as possible, to keep the author's own personal style. This has resulted in a cocktail of inspirational women coming together to share thoughts, ideas, and experiences positively. We hope you enjoy this issue as much as we have enjoyed putting it together. Miss Elvin Hassan, Editor and Head of International Liaisons Contents Page Page 4, AIPPI Opening Letter by Olga Syrakova, AIPPI Secretary General Page 5, Genius, Creativity, and Endurance, All in the Long Journey of Women's Recognition by Renata Rigetti Pelosi, AIPPI, President Page 7 the Importance of Women in Innovation, by Bobby Carlton, Founder, Innovation Women. Law Firm Profiles, Bios and Articles. Africa. Page 11, Anku.Anku at Law, Partner Profile and Article, Trademarks Exclusivity, The Hand Patter Case 1, by Sarah Norcor Anku, Senior Partner at Anku.Anku at Law. Page 15, O, A, A Law, Partner Profile and Article. IP Funding A Key to Entrepreneurial Development Through IP Asset Ownership in Africa by Mary Concilia Ankang, Partner at O, A, A, Law. Page 19, Stillwater's Law Firm, Profile and Article, The Importance of Intellectual Property to Small and Medium-Sized Enterprises, by Amaka Okafor, Associate, Stillwater's Law Firm. Asia. Page, 23, Cornerstone and Partners, Partner Profile and Article. Cross-class protection of well-known marks should accord with their popularity, by Brenda Zhao of Cornerstone and Partners. Page 27, Women in Intellectual Property Law, by Anami Iwanagaskara, partner at Julius and Creasy. Page 28, Lex Orbis Partner Profile by Manisha Singh, co-founder, and partner at Lex Orbis. Europe. Page 31, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners. Partner Profiles and Presentation, Women as Lawyers and Leaders in IP in Greece. Page 34, Patpol Partner Profile, 
Isabella Dudek Herbanovich. North and Central America. USA. Page 36, Advitum, Partner Profile and Article, The Myth of Work-Life Balance, by Michelle S. Katz, Founder of, Advitum IP, LLC. Page 39, Dumont, Partner Profile, and Article, Why Is Everybody Talking About Cultural Misappropriation? By Laura Kaleda, Dumont. Page 43, eProwint, Partner Profile, Gabriella Bowden. South America. Page 45, Litvin Maserati Legalize, Founder Partner Profile, Melissa Litvin. Page 46, Estratehia Heredica, Director and Attorney at Law Profile, Claudette Vernet. IP Service Provider Profiles, Bios and Articles. Page 48, Patent Seekers, Women of Science, by Freya Shepard, Member of the Biotech Team at Patent Seekers. Page 51, Mindsoft, Co-Founder and Managing Director Profile. Anne Chapman Daniel, article, Taking Out the Trash, Big Industry Starts Clearing Up the Mess Made by Our Throwaway Society, by Moira Sevilles, Business Development Executive, and Caitlin Kavanagh, Marketing Executive, Mindsoft. Page 55, Page Removed. Page 59, Brand Enforcement UK Limited, CEO Profile, Lisa Lovell. Page 60, Carlton PR and Marketing. Innovation Nights, Innovation Women. Founder Profile, Bobby Carlton. Carlos Northen, Founder and CEO Northen's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Carlos at NorthensPRMarketing.com. Elvin Hassan, Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Head of International Liaisons for Women's IP World. Elvin at Women'sIPWorld.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Info at northernsprmarketing.com. Page 4. Letter from AIPPI. Olga Syrakova, Secretary General of AIPPI. My name is Olga Syrakova, and I am writing this opening letter in my capacity as Secretary General of AIPPI. It has been my honor and pleasure to serve AIPPI in different roles, including as Secretary and President of the Bulgarian Group of AIPPI, four years as a member, and four years as Chair of the Nominating Committee, and the last five years as Bureau Member. These roles have been voluntary, limited in term, and which I perform alongside my daily professional engagements. I am a Bulgarian Patent and Trademark Attorney, Bulgarian Attorney at Law, European Patent Attorney. European Trademark and Design Attorney, and partner of Bulgarian law firm Interius. Most importantly, I am a mother of two wonderful grown-up children. Trying to combine all these roles, I am no exception from the other IP professionals. It takes a lot of passion to reconcile these different roles and social responsibilities, none of us could do it alone. We are grateful to our teachers for all lessons learned, easy and difficult ones. We work together with our partners and colleagues from all over the world to best protect and help our clients, across different cultures, jurisdictions, and time zones. We discuss, negotiate, and fight. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, and every time we get a little bit stronger. This is the daily routine for IP lawyers. For us, women, the choice is not whether you pursue a complicated case with the help of a man, or of a woman. As long as you have a reliable and trustworthy partner to work together with, you will be strong and successful. My experience shows that the reverse is also correct. Male colleagues are looking for professional support, men or women, and this is what matters. 
However, has it always been like that? Is it like that all over the world? Maybe not, as this publication is launching only now. Maybe women still need to share their success stories to encourage others. Or women may still need to express the challenges they experience and get inspired by how others face them and deal with them. Northern's Media, PR and Marketing's publication, Women's IP World, is a platform. A platform for women to demonstrate their achievements, to learn, and get a shared creative impulse from each other. It is also a platform where women could receive recognition for their work showing their professional experience and their unique personalities. AIPPI is happy that this publication is launching at the occasion of the AIPPI World Congress in London and that we could support this endeavor. AIPPI is an organization which was once regarded as a men's club. These times are long gone. Our bylaws explicitly require gender diversity for all positions in all the institutional bodies of the association. Therefore, the current bureau comprises of 15 members, seven of which are female, including the President and the Secretary-General. Women mostly do the day-to-day -day work at the General Secretariat of AIPPI. The composition of our membership, as well as our committees, which are the cornerstones of AIPPI, show true balance and commitment of both men and women. This makes this organization one of the most influential and respected non-governmental IP organizations in the world. We are all engaged in this volunteer work in the best way we can be. Diversity and equal rights need to be practiced in our daily work environment, not only in the IP profession. Tremendous progress has been made, and we see it all around, however, there are things to be improved. I am therefore confident that this publication will find an interested audience in the IP world. What keeps us all together is the shared passion for what we do. We will be successful if we continue sharing it. Share it with us. Olga Syrakova. Secretary General of AIPPI. Page 5. Genius, creativity, and endurance, all in the long journey of women's recognition. As discussed by Renata Rigetti Pelosi, President of AIPPI. All along with the entire human history, we women were always, approximately, half of the total number of human beings. However, recognition of the female contribution to the development of culture and society has always been neglected. The names of our ancestors of which we are aware of are disproportionately male names, remembered, regardless of the specific reasons why. Of course, all of us know the names of some powerful women, for example, empresses or queens, and the names of a few outstanding creators, poetesses, and artists. However, the more we go back through the centuries, the more difficult it is to find memories and traces of the contribution of women to the development of knowledge, inventiveness, and understanding. No need to recall Bertolt Brecht to recognize that most of the history, as we know it, did not report the names of those who were not so powerful, women or men, but against the other side of heaven's damnatio memoriae worked even more efficiently. Too often, when a female scientist or scholar proved herself to be outstanding, the social and political environment cut her off. An example is the well-known case of Hypatia, the very first notable woman in mathematics and astronomy, who was murdered by insurgent Christians, in Alexandria, Egypt, during the second half of the 4th century AD. Furthermore, let us remember the thousands of women who, many centuries later, were burnt at stake in Europe and America as witches and who were probably the only healers in their communities who took advantage of the traditional female knowledge of herbs and plants. Closer to our times and moreover, as we are mentioning names, it is essential also to remember the name of Maria Skłodowska. 
She was twice a winner of the Nobel Prize for two different scientific fields. Her name has almost been forgotten as she is better known worldwide under her husband's name, Curie, instead of her own. Notwithstanding all the difficulties still existing, we must recognize that thanks to the fighting and endless efforts of many women all over the world, most countries now acknowledge women's skills, capacities, and equal rights, it is at least partially, achieved. We can see it in any field, and the IP world is not an exception. The number of women in all the professions linked to IP has significantly grown in less than half a century, which is a period so short that several of us are witnessing the process and the actual changing in our own professional lives. Nowadays, in most jurisdictions, there are no longer rules limiting the enrollment slash election slash activity of female judges, lawyers, patent, and trademark attorneys, IPO directors, examiners, researchers, etc. As a consequence, also, the number of women reaching top positions in their respective fields has increased very much. It brings a more favorable ambience from the very beginning for any woman in her career in IP. Looking back at my experiences, I am certainly not the only one of my generation who was often approached as the secretary, at most the assistant, of a male colleague when meeting clients or associates. We do not hear this much of younger female colleagues. It hopefully means we have progressed. Sometimes in private practice, it is more difficult to reach the highest positions than in the public sector because their rules must always be applied, and the selection and promotion process is more neutral and objective. However, of course, many women presently are at the top of IP firms in many jurisdictions. IP associations often take a similar attitude to public sectors. Within AIPPI, for instance, R.1.5 of the statute states that the association shall not discriminate, especially concerning religion race, national origin or gender. The above is an obvious principle considering its international vocation and to implement it the nominating committee and the bureau are always very careful to suggest for any election members with different geographical and professional backgrounds as well as gender diversity. The implementation of this diversity principle has allowed AIPPI, over the last few years, to substantially increase the involvement of women in all the committees as well as, for the first time after more than a century, to have at an international level a female reporter general, secretary general, and president. The same principles apply to the national and regional groups, that are the backbone of AIPPI, and the numbers of female delegates and presidents of groups increases every year. Also, other sister associations have been, and are still going, through a similar process of renovation and modernization. It is not a completed process as yet and AIPPI, like other IP associations, support networking, mingling, and exchanging experiences and opinions among its female members. Many women are also IP owners in their own right or because of their position within companies. Unfortunately, I am not aware of any study nor statistics on this specific area of IP. Perhaps someone knows better or would think of conducting studies, even then the vast majority of IP owners are companies and consequently, any statistic will not have a definite significance. Recently we received some interesting, good news concerning inventors' gender, from a survey conducted by WIPO among PCT applications updated to 2018. It shows that last year, 33% of all filed PCT applications mentioned at least one woman among inventors, and that 17% had women slash women, as inventors. These numbers are certainly not good enough but show that the trend of women being patent inventors is continuously increasing over the last monitored years, 2000 to 2018.
women-only inventors increased by 54.5% in the previous two decades, and invention with a woman among inventors increased by 65%. The other good news is that the increasing rate seems to be accelerating. It is interesting to remark that, not surprisingly, in the field of pharma, biotech, and biology, food chemistry and organic fine chemistry, the majority of inventions have at least one woman among mentioned inventors. It is very appropriate in this connection to mention that in June 2019, in Vienna, EPO honored the winners of the Inventor Award 2019. For the first time, an inventor won in two categories, Lifetime Achievement and Popular Prize and the winner was Margarita Salas Vulgaris, for her inventions on DNA amplification for genomics. A considerable achievement, indeed. Unfortunately, we do not have any data on creators of trademarks slash logos or design, though I am quite sure that the creativity of women is very present, strong, and influential in those sectors. In my personal opinion, women always have a better taste and the finest touch on aesthetical works and activities. To conclude these few lines, I wish to share with you a personal dream and hope. Despite any reasonable likelihood, I like to hope that exclusive rights granted to cooks who invented new recipes, according to the so-called Sybaris patent, from the Greek colony in southern Italy, dating to the 7th century BC, were occasionally granted to female cooks too. The hope is that younger women in IP, but not only, could witness a better tomorrow that, resounding Khalil Gibran dash we cannot visit, not even in our dreams. Page 7. Article. The Importance of Women in Innovation. Bobby Carlton, Founder, Innovation Women. Gender equity discussions and initiatives in recent years may feel trendy, and momentum may seem like it is on our side, but we still must face sobering statistics when it comes to women in business, women in tech and women in innovation. We need to ask, are we driving important potential innovators and innovations out of business? Are we losing or delaying innovations because half the population doesn't see the innovation economy as welcoming or a realistic setting for their talents? How do we entice them to stay? Consider career growth, promotions, pay equity, bonuses, and new job opportunities. Add in a dose of business growth and success. Ponder funding a startup. How about attracting investment in an existing business? Have you looked lately at board seats? C-level executives? Market leaders? Acknowledged experts? Thought leadership? Even mentions in the media and social media? Alternatively, as we have been calling them, the six C's, cash, career, customers, credit, credibility, and community. These are just some of the places and opportunities where women are left behind or left out. Starting at the top. Deloitte looked at nearly 7,000 companies in 60 countries. In 2017 women held 15% of all board seats globally, up from 12% of board seats just two years prior. According to Fortune, women held 15.7% of board seats at Fortune 500 companies 15 years ago. Today, women hold 25.5% of those seats. The number of women running Fortune 500 companies is at a record high. There are 33 female CEOs among the Fortune 500, with presumably one CEO per business, in 2019, up from 24 in 2018. This is just a little over 6%. However, female CEOs tend to leave quicker than their male counterparts, so we could see these numbers drop quicker than we'd like. Women stay for less than 4 years, where the average male CEO stays for 5 years. 
Some women leave these positions, or the positions that could succeed the top positions, to start their own companies. They often cite stalled careers, pay inequities, and a lack of meaningful work, a big issue for women who work or want to work on the forefront of innovation. Worst case, they point to unsafe, abusive, or just plain uncomfortable work environments. If you only look at funding, the numbers for female entrepreneurs are just as or more so dismal. According to data from PitchBook and AllRaise, in 2018, 482 female-led U.S. companies raised $2.88 billion, or 2.2% of all venture money invested. The number of deals by female founders is growing, but the percentage of the overall amount remains stagnant due to the increase in so-called mega-deals. One mega-deal example, Yule, $12.8 billion, represented $10 billion more than all the female founders in the U.S. combined. So, forget startups because high-growth companies often need outside investment in order to scale. Let's look at small businesses. A 2016 Amex Open report revealed there were 11.3 million women-owned businesses in the U.S., and those businesses generated $1.6 trillion in revenues. The same report showed that women start small businesses at a rate five times the national average, or about 1,000 new women-owned businesses every day. Women apply for fewer and smaller small business loans, but when they do receive loans, it's at a higher annual percentage rate, the actual yearly cost of funds over the term of a loan. Women-owned businesses account for only 4% of the U.S. business revenue, and women entrepreneurs employ fewer workers, about 8% of all workers. Are women focusing on small businesses that don't need outside investment because they know their chances of receiving funding are so low? Almost two-thirds of women self-fund their businesses or bootstrap. Are they hamstrung by a lack of working capital, or are they taking other paths to success? 71% of women business owners said their business was profitable according to Guidant Financial and Lending Club's 2019 Small Business Trends Report. Outside financing can make the difference when it comes to the survival of your startup or small company. 20% of small businesses fail in the first year and half fail before five years, why pile on the challenges when you might be able to focus your energies on starting and growing a business that doesn't need funding or investment? More and more data are surfacing that points to the existence of diverse teams as a way to speed success, to solve problems faster, and to produce fresh innovation. Note that diversity is not just gender-oriented but involves race, economic strata, sexual orientation, and more. Two heads are better than one when it comes to innovation. Why? Moreover, why women in particular? When we talk about innovation, we're often talking about new products and processes. When conceiving and designing these, it's always helpful to test theories and prototypes on your target market. In addition to products designed specifically for women, are we ready to write off the opinions of half the potential market? Making sure women are represented on your team helps you design with them in mind. Having women on your team speeds the overall process. Also, it's not just the teams, it's the team leaders. Have you ever wanted to offer up a new idea or concept and rejected the thought yourself before you shared it with others? Maybe you didn't share your idea because you were fearful of rejection, scarred by repeated and persistent rejection? According to Sylvia Ann Hewlett, Melinda Marshall, and Laura Sherbin, writing in the 2013 article How Diversity Can Drive Innovation in the Harvard Business Review. Without diverse leadership, women are 20% less likely than straight white men to win endorsement for their ideas, people of color are 24% less likely, LGBTs are 21% less likely.
head spinning yet? The odds are indeed stacked against us. Or are they? Perhaps it is time to throw aside the scary negative data and focus on results. According to data from First Round Venture Capital's 10-year project, female founders outperform their male peers by 63% in terms of value created for investors. The Small Business Association concluded in 2017 that venture firms that invested in women-led businesses, WLB, saw an improvement in their fund's performance. According to David Rock and Heidi Grant in an article in the Harvard Business Review, various studies point to companies with more women being more likely to introduce radical innovations, and cultural diversity is also a boon to innovativeness. If results are better for female founders and diverse teams, why are we still so far behind and so far away from gender parity? The World Economic Forum estimated in 2018 that at the current rate of progress towards equity and pay, it will take 202 years to reach parity. Progress, in 2017, the estimate was 217 years. However, this was a significant jump from the previous year, in 2016, the estimate was only 170 years. How do we move beyond the scary data and the challenges represented by the numbers? Start by examining your biases, both conscious and unconscious. When we say entrepreneur, who do you see? When we say, scientist or engineer? Lawyer? Doctor? Nurse? Biases cut both ways, what do they look like in your mind's eye? We all have biases formed by our life experience. Know your bias. How do you treat the team? Who is shouldering extra office work and chores? Often, it's the women. Think about how you inform and influence the unconscious bias of others. Who do we see as thought leaders, experts, and influencers? Often these are the speakers at conferences, the expert sources in the media, and the, very visible, executives. Visibility drives business opportunities and shows the next generation what a leader looks like. Don't turn down that speaking opportunity. Don't assume that only the, more likely male, CEO can speak for your company. Stand up and be counted. Mentor. Speak to classes. Show the flag. Also, when you can't take the stage, don't automatically pass the opportunity off to one of the usual suspects. Look to the women on the team, even if this might be their first time on stage. You may wish to consider speaker training or specifically targeted practice opportunities. Consider family-friendly policies for everyone. Flexible schedules. Working from home. Paid leave for both maternity and paternity. When men have flexibility, their partners have options that could include staying with your company where before they might have dropped out or pulled back from their careers. This applies to same-sex couples too. Expand your thinking. Don't stop at gender equity. Diversity and inclusion should be our approach. While wit women have challenges in the workplace, the challenges multiply when you bring women of color into the fold. Pay equity gets farther and farther away. So diversity is more than gender and race. Consider economic status, physical abilities, national origin, political beliefs, and sexual orientation too. Have a goal. Track and measure your progress toward your goal. If we want to have an impact, we need to know where we are starting, setting a benchmark, and what success looks like. Don't just focus on the top player. Think long-term and consider in-depth succession plans. It's tough to move up when there's no one to backfill what you do. Don't settle. Our goal should be 50-50 when we look at gender equity. We should receive equal pay. Women should sit on boards, lead companies, and countries. Consider legislation to move stalled efforts forward. 
No Man L Zones. Board Equity. In 2018, California passed a bill requiring companies to have a minimum of one on their board of directors by the end of 2019. This is modeled on the requirements from European countries. At the end of July 2021, companies with five-person boards will need two women, and boards with six or more will need three. It's important to us all that we tap the entire population if we want to make real and timely progress toward the biggest challenges of our age, disease, climate change, privacy, an aging population, racial and gender inequality, ethical use of artificial intelligence, income inequality, hunger, clean water, the list goes on. Half of us can't sit on the sidelines and hope the other half come up with the answers. Page 9. IP Law Firm, Profiles, and Articles. Sponsored by Patent Seekers, the Global Patent Searchers. Page 10. Africa Country Section. Sponsored by Patent Seekers, the Global Patent Searchers. Page 11. Ghana. Profile. Name, Sarah Norkor Anku. Law firm name, Anku.Anku at Law. Country, Ghana. Position, Senior Partner and Intellectual Property Consultant. Website, www.ankuatlaw.com. Sarah Norkor Anku is an astute legal practitioner, intellectual property expert. Lecturer and public speaker with decades of experience covering intellectual property, IP, in particular, patents, trademarks, industrial designs, and IP assets management. She is currently the senior partner and intellectual property consultant at one of the leading law firms in Ghana, Anku.Anku at Law. Born in Accra, she spent her formative years in Ghana. She holds an LLM in Alternative Dispute Resolution, ADR, from the University of Ghana and a master's degree in intellectual property from Africa University, Zimbabwe, and MSc. Food Chain Management from Imperial College of Science, Technology, and Medicine, University of London. She is the first president of Intellectual Property Network, Ghana, an IP think tank and advocacy group, and has represented Ghana at different fora on matters relating to intellectual property rights. She was the first vice chairperson for the 18th and 19th sessions of the Standing Committee on the Law of Patents of the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO. Sarah has served on numerous committees of the African Regional Intellectual Property Organization, ARIPO, including the Working Group on the Improvement of ARIPO Protocols Relating to Industrial Property, Staff Affairs Committee, Administrative Council and Technical Committee on Industrial Property. Sarah Norkor Anku began her working life as a research assistant and national service person at Water Research Institute of CSIR in Ghana and subsequently with the, then, Food and Drugs Board as a regulatory officer. After being called to the Ghana Bar, she progressed to Law Fields Consulting as an associate, and then to the Registrar General's Department as an assistant Registrar General and a state attorney. She also worked with the Danish Technological Institute as a key expert and IP consultant on the ACPEU-TBT program in the United Republic of Tanzania. Sarah was recognized for her contribution to the field of IP and organizations at the just-ended litigation and IPR guerrilla conference. The event which served as a platform for professionals in the field to chart the course for IP practice saw Anku.Anku at Law, where Sarah is a senior partner being awarded as one of the top 50 legal IP companies globally. Under the leadership of Sarah, the Intellectual Property Network, Ghana, in collaboration with the Registrar-General's Department, organized the Maiden National Intellectual Property Forum, and two subsequent successful forums.
She also led a team, comprising some selected members of staff to establish a procedural framework for the grant of utility model certificates in Ghana, which led to the grant of Ghana's first utility model certificate. Sarah has contributed significantly to the upgrade of the workflow of the patent application process at the Ghana Industrial Property Office, developing a manual for patent administration in Ghana, and training support staff to facilitate patent administration. Sarah is passionate about using her expertise to support businesses to grow through the effective management of their intellectual property. She is a leading voice on IP in Africa and currently leading a campaign to raise public awareness on IP practice and its role in the economic development of countries. She blogs regularly on the subject via her social media handles and also on www.ankuartlaw.com. Page 12. Article. Trademarks Exclusivity, The Hampter Case 1. As discussed by Sarah Norcor Anku, Senior Partner at Anku.Anku at Law. Introduction. Businesses thrive on strong brands and invest significantly in creating and sustaining brand leadership. A brand mark is a creation of the intellect of an individual or a group of individuals for the business. Such marks ought to be recognized and protected, oftentimes as trademarks. Intellectual property rights encourage creativity by protecting owners of intellectual property from copying and in the case of trademarks, from trademarks squatters, among others. Being intellectual property rights, trademarks are negative rights, as against positive rights created by other property rights. Therefore, where a party to a trademark dispute is found not to have a right, that party cannot prevent others from freely using the trademark. Exclusive rights of trademarks. Trademarks are generally defined as marks which distinguish the goods and services of one enterprise from the other. They are assets of value to businesses and can further be exploited through licenses. Businesses invest significant resources in their trademarks and take steps to protect such trademarks from being infringed by competitors. Trademark protection, like any other intellectual property right, is territorial in nature, thus, protection in one country does not guarantee protection in another. In this regard, it is not surprising that businesses aware of the value of their intellectual property develop strategies to manage their trademarks. Strategic management of trademarks includes strategies for protection, exploitation, and enforcement of their rights. The rights acquired by a trademark owner confer the right to exclude others from using the mark on the same or similar goods and services without the consent of the rights owner. Despite the exclusive rights conferred on a trademark's owner, it does not obtain a monopoly. As aptly stated in a plethora of decided cases, our intellectual property rights are not monopolies. 2. Trademark rights may be obtained through registration or the common law right of use. Where there is a conflict in ownership of a trademark between parties, municipal laws provide the answer. Some jurisdictions apply the first-to-file system as against the first-to-use common law rights. The first-to-file system confers the right to the mark to the first applicant who files an application with the relevant statutory body. On the other hand, the first-to-use system confers the right to the first party to use the mark. Most jurisdictions follow the first-to-file system with its incidental challenges such as the menace of trademark squatters. The Hampton Sons Case The Ghanaian case of Hampton Sons vrs Afwa Konadu and Anor, currently on appeal, reveals the challenges of the first-to-file system as against the first-to-use, and the misapplication of certain principles of trademarks law. Municipal laws and common law confer the negative rights of excluding others from using the registered trademark, three as against positive rights created by other property rights. 
In the case of Campomar Sociedad, Limitada v. Nike International Limited, the court cited Buckley LJ and Lyle and Kynahan Limited, where Buckley LJ pointed out that the only right conferred by registration was a right to prevent others from using the trademark as a mark for their goods. Trademarks Act, 2004, Act 664, as amended, governs trademarks in Ghana. The Act confers on a trademark owner the right to prevent others from using the trademark without authorization of the registered owner. This is particularized in Section 9 of the Act. Section 9, 2, is to the effect that it is only a registered owner of a trademark who has a right to institute court action against any person who infringes the registered trademark. In a Ray movie, Lilla and the Woods 4, it was held that a person is only entitled to have absolute and exclusive right to the use of a trademark if a certification of registration in respect of the trademark has been issued to him. In this case, since no certificate had been issued in respect of the trademark, the plaintiff's action against the defendants was not maintainable. Brief facts of the case. Both the plaintiff, Hampter, and the first defendant, Conadu, trade in spices at Kumasi, the second largest city in Ghana. While the Hampter trades in spices under the unregistered trademark Minizan, the Conadu trades in spices under the trademark Remy. In July 2018, Hampter decided to register its mark Minizan at the trademark's office, second defendant, only to realize that Conadu had applied to the office to register the mark in her name. Based on the application for registration, Conadu solicited the help of the police to harass the Hampter officials. All efforts to restrain her from these acts of unfair competition failed. Hampter, therefore, resorted to the High Court of Ghana for address. While the substantive matter was pending, Conadu filed for an interlocutory injunction against Hampter. Subsequently, the trial judge injuncted both parties from using the mark Minazan even though Conadu had stated in her processes that she does not trade in spices with the mark Minazan. The judge stated in his interlocutory ruling dated 26 October 2017, on page 11, as follows. I do not intend to go into the merits of the conflicting claims of the parties, the vexed question of who owns the exclusive right to the Minazan trademark will be determined after a full trial. What is apparent is that none of the parties has an exclusive right to the use of the Minazan trademark, as the applications of both parties are yet to be determined by the Registrar General's department. Indeed, the rights of parties could only be determined after parties have led evidence in support of their case, and all the pieces of evidence have been evaluated. It will, therefore, be prejudicial to conclude that a party, particularly the applicant, has a right to which ought to be protected. In conclusion, the judge held on page 12 of his ruling that, both the applicant and respondent are, however, restrained forthwith from using the Minizan trademark to package their products and subsequently marketing, distributing and selling the same. Analysis and Challenges Enforcement of trademarks hinges on the municipal laws of each state. In Mattel Incorporated v. 3,894,207 Canada Incorporated 2006 SCC 22, Canada, the Supreme Court of Canada cautioned, in the case of the enforcement of a registered trademark, that, fairness, of course, requires consideration of the interest of the public and other merchants and the benefits of open competition as well as the interest of the trademark owner in protecting its investment in the mark. Care must be taken not to create a zone of exclusivity and protection that overshoots the purpose of trademark law. The purpose of a trademark is to create and symbolize linkages. The Protection Against Unfair Competition Act of Ghana, 2000, Act 598, 
ensures that intellectual property rights are not abused to the extent of creating monopolies. In addressing matters of trade, one cannot lose sight of issues relating to competition as the propensity of some players of the market to apply unfair practices to compete unfairly. It is for this reason, among others that the law on protection against unfair competition seeks to regulate fair practices in trade, including intellectual property rights. In the case of Hampton Sons, did the judge err in law by injuncting both parties from using the mark Minison? Did he overshoot the purpose of trademarks law? Was he fair to the merchant who had acquired a reputation in the mark through use even though not registered? Was his decision in the interest of promoting trade? As stated by Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., the prophecies of what the courts will do in fact, and nothing more pretentious, are what I mean by the law, the law lies in the bosom of the judge. Conadu was the first to file the mark Minerson, even though she does not use the mark, while Hamptu is the first to use the mark and the later, in time, to apply to the trademarks office for registration. Conadu had emphatically stated that she does not trade in the mark Minerson. Therefore, it surmises that an injunction on both parties was an injunction against Hamda only, which was busily trading in products bearing the mark while overlooking the adverse effect on the value of the brand. One would have expected that the judge would have considered Section 92 of Act 664, which is to the effect that only a registered owner of a trademark can initiate an action in infringement and refused the application of Conadu. Yet, he based his decision on a mere application for registration, despite citing the Aremu case supra. Again one would have expected the court to have frowned on such acts of unfair competition, where a competitor squats on another's trademarks just because the user of the mark had not registered it. In this case, Conadu had no right in law to initiate an injunction application against Hampton to prevent it from using a mark that it had traded in for many years, particularly, where the judge had found that both parties had applied for the registration of the mark Minerson, but none had been issued a certificate of registration. Surprisingly, Despite his findings, the judge concluded without any legal basis, that both parties should be injuncted from using the mark even though none of the parties had the right to prevent the other from using the mark, as provided in Section 9-1 of the Trademarks Act, 2003, Act 664, as amended, and to institute a court action against the other for using the mark in the first place, as provided in Section 9-2A of the Act and as decided in the Aremu case supra. Conclusion the rights conferred on a trademark's owner is settled, however, the interpretation of the term exclusive rights, has been misapplied in some cases. There are a plethora of cases that expatiate the meaning of the term as negative rights, that is, a right to prevent others from using a registered trademark as against positive rights of use. To avoid occasional misapplication of some of the basic principles of intellectual property rights, it is highly recommended that businesses take steps to develop IPR management strategies that include seeking appropriate legal protection in markets of interest. Page 14. Advert. Anku Anku at Law, Legal Practitioners, and Intellectual Property Consultants. Make the bold step. Your IPR enforcement is assured with us. Anku Anku at Law. Ghana. Winner of the Top 50 Legal IP Companies Awards. Number 8 Plateau Street, off Mukos Street, behind the Police Station Training School. Tisano, Accra. P.O. Box KB331, Call Boo, Azkra, Ghana. Cell, plus 233244380163, plus 23302267312.
Website, www.ankunatlaw.com Email, info at ankunatlaw.com Page 15. Cameroon. Profile. Name, Mary Concilia Ankang. Company, Onambele Ankang and Associates. Country, Cameroon. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.oaalaw.cm. Mary Concilia Ankang is married and a mother of two wonderful children. Called to the Cameroon Bar in 1993, she offers a vibrant multicultural, international, bilingual, and bigeral law practice experience. Managing partner at Onambele Ankang and Associates, OAA Law, she has demonstrated consistency and dedication in 26 years of advocacy. A full service corporate law firm, OAA Law serves a broad range of businesses from various industry sectors. OAA Law offers loyalty, diligence, compliance, and optimum satisfaction. One of Cameroon's most respected female lawyers, Mary is one of the most sought-after contemporary lawyers in Cameroon and the Central African region. She is passionate, vibrant, and very engaging. Her peers often revere her resolve to address challenging matters. Her brilliance and a keen eye for detail have earned her great recognition from her clients. In 2016 O'Orlo won the AI African Awards of Excellence. Mary is a pioneer African IP lawyer, accredited with the African Organization of Intellectual and Industrial Property, OAPI, since 1994. Her IP practice spreads into 17 countries, within French-speaking Africa. In 1998, Mary was appointed to advise the Cameroonian Association of Inventors and Innovators on HIPASA, a cure for hepatitis. Mary founded the Foundation for the Promotion of Innovation-Inventions and Artistic Designs, FPI to promote local research in the transfer of technology. FPI and OAPI inventions slash inventors participated at the International Exhibition Fair, INPEX, with Dr. Nakamads, the inventor of Viagra in 1999 at the BBC Tomorrow's World London Exhibition Fair. FPI received an award and Mr. John Trevor the inventor of the touch lamp visited FPI. Furthermore, FPI and OAA Law accompanied the invention of Vanhivax, a therapeutic vaccine for HIV-AIDS. In 2006, Mary was appointed as arbitrator and court member of the International Court of Arbitration, at the International Chamber of Trade and Commerce, ICC, in Paris. She became the first pioneer African female appointed to this office since its creation from 2006 to 2010. A founding member of the Cameroon National Committee of the International Chamber of Trade and Commerce, ICC, she presided the IP and Arbitration Commission from 2004 to 2014 and was a member of the same in Paris until 2014. In her finest hour, in 2015 coupled with her legal practice she became the founding chair of the African Chamber of Trade and Commerce, ACC. During this initiative, Mary pledges to bring her experience and knowledge into a project that she is passionate about. Institutional Advocacy for Africa's Socio-Economic Development She is convinced of the need to promote IP asset ownership in Africa for improved wealth-creating entrepreneurial activities. She believes validating African inventions and innovations derived from R&D and appropriation of the rich, diverse, mutating, and fascinating cultural heritage of Africans is mandatory to conquering new markets. In 2018 ACC organized the first international forum on the production and transformation of cotton, textile and accessories, figured to 2018, with the second edition in 2020. The cotton, textile, 
accessories, and fashion sector in Africa are a vision ACC works to optimize for wealth creation and job opportunities. www.africanchamberabo.org In 2018, Mary was recognized amongst 100 of the finest professional women in a book titled Women Pioneers in Dispute Resolution by Arbitral Women. Mary is also an active member of Inter, Arbitral Women, AMOPI, FPI, etc. When Mary isn't working, she enjoys traveling, music, dance, sports, and supporting charities in any way she can. Page 16. Article. Intellectual Property Funding, a Key to Entrepreneurial Development Through IP Asset Ownership in Africa. Written by Mary Conchilia Ankang, Onambele, Ankang and Associates. Having traveled vastly through several parts of the world, I try to use my professional experiences to influence competitive business habits and policies, as the need occurs without complex nor bias. My goal is to contribute towards building a highly attractive business environment for the economic empowerment of African businesses and institutions and also push the much-needed gender agenda for African women. The world needs to be safe. However, Extremes in the rich and poverty gaps between the tenants of the earth do not advance this debate. It is pertinent to note that Africa's development requires a substantial financial boost. However, African markets and economies cannot develop if Africans are not owners of their intelligence in talents, skills, and resources. Also, that, the effort required to make this happen does not only depend on the understanding or appreciating of the fact of Africa's richness and potential, as is often proclaimed. The burden lies with the continent, actually seeing that this translates into Africans being equally positioned to take proper advantage of their riches and resources for their wellness. Wealth creation and job opportunities cannot be imagined nor imposed. The continent needs to sort, organize, and see that what is happening is real. R&D in Africa In the past three decades of law, business and comparative IP practice with little compliance mechanism observed. I have observed isolated researchers in Africa and also universities with recognized research units, make free publicity of their discoveries and know-how without consideration for the ownership nor money value of their intelligence worth. A considerable amount of training and research efforts through workshops and seminars have been going on in Africa in the past decades, even so, with minimal impact on the ownership aptitude of Africans, of their intelligence and virtual IP assets. At these seminars, resolutions are reached, however, implementation falls short. Right after these efforts, the institutions and concerned actors continue as if they have no obligation to undertake strategies, to either implement the resolutions or enforce policies to fund research for improved performance in the field. In Africa, given the particularities and multicultural background of the people, the need to own virtual assets seems strange or a utopia. It has not been a tradition of the people. This leaves the ugly impression that IP asset ownership is a luxury. This may be interpreted as selflessness, hospitality, charity, or negligence. The reason may also sometimes be explained or excused by ignorance. However, such arguments can no longer prevail in the 21st century. The world order has changed. Value is in money and capital or assets ownership. Nevertheless, Africa need not be discouraged. With the increasing growth of African markets, and the continent acclaimed as one of the world's most attractive and competitive as well as an exponential consumer population, by 2060 it obliges innovative ways of doing business and brings great hope to the continent of abundant sunshine and rain.
there is a need to adopt appropriate strategies and policies to fund African research. The time is ripe and now. Less than 20% of the technology used in Africa is not African-owned. Worse still, it is not free for transfer. It is expensive. If Africans do not own IP assets, they may never make headway in capital and industry. Most sub-Saharan IP offices and markets depend on a significant IP importation market in products and services to survive in business. This weakens the economy. Whereas, as IP asset owners, African businesses could witness increased exportation to influence market standards and statistics in brands for goods and services. While it is evident that old money belongs to asset owners of yesterday, more virtual assets are yet to be owned today. If targeted by Africans, the scope of intelligence is immeasurable. The establishment may be accused of capitalism. However, the only way Africa can make an entry into new markets is by owning their intelligence. This provides added value and competitiveness in the marketplace. African businesses must be seen to own more and more titles in designs and models, trademarks, patents, labels, geographical indications, etc. When this happens, Africans can make an exciting inroad in the IP marketplace. As such, an opportunity for African IP experts to sort and export IP services abroad. Funding IP in Africa will open a floodgate of business ventures in a multitude of entrepreneurial activities for jobs and welfare creation in Africa through sustainable value chains. Funding for R&D. Policymakers must oblige the budgets and efforts to finance R&D. This requires the involvement of specialists and experts. Funding will facilitate the creation of prototypes needed to validate innovative ideas and discoveries for new investment opportunities and potential markets. While it is evident that the establishment only recognizes conventional articles and concepts for use, the urge for new concepts and markets remains unequivocal. However, the burden to change the order of things rests irrevocably on efforts to be made by the aspirant. Africans. Once an unconventional idea meets the recognized norms as internationally approved, the value becomes evident and open to the world market rules for pricing within the supply and demand rules. This involves a lengthy and very costly process prior. The facts hitherto argue in favor of the unequivocal need to adequately fund Africa research. The paradigms and impact on Africa's development potential will shift upwards if Africans own at least 30% of their intelligence in IP assets. By doing so, they should apply adapted solutions to African problems. R&D in Africa must be accompanied as is in other parts of the world. Africans should be able to protect their findings to become owners of their intelligence. Private institutions like the African Chamber of Trade and Commerce, ACC, through her advocacy platforms, seeks to channel Africa's trade and industry through a shared federated vision. The target is to build adapted infrastructures to guarantee Africa's economic development with an emphasis on IP asset ownership by Africans. The role of IP for Africa's socio-economic development is critical. While vehicles like the ACC work with experts, inventors, businesses, and stakeholders to secure sector-oriented inclusive business models to grow African markets, the need to fund research remains paramount. Competitiveness in value chains can only be experimented through entrepreneurial, innovative startup initiatives for Africa's economic growth. As asset owners, African markets will be more attractive with the potential and capacity to conquer new markets. Thus, owners and consumers of services and the tools they sell will result in African businesses and infrastructures witnessing substantial growth percentages. There is, 
therefore, urgent need to redirect our policies and resources towards funding research and development in Africa. With Africans owning solutions for African problems, the socio-economic impact will be friendly and attractive with an even playing ground for Africans and their development partners. In all fairness, better welfare resides in the ability to offer competitive goods and services produced locally for local consumption. As signatories to several bilateral regional and international binding trade tools, the recently ratified Continental Free Trade Agreement CFTA, AGOA, OMC, EPA, PCT, Madrid Agreement and Protocol, Paris Convention, ADPIC, the Bongi Laws, etc., Africa may not take full advantage of these laws in the absence of IP asset ownership in exchange. If we consider that economic rights are fundamental human rights, Africa's industrial development can no longer wait. This calls for institutional advocacy with skilled experts to address these concerns. In conclusion, knowledge ownership is something Africans have shied away from, for centuries. However, IP constitutes an integral part of African assets in virtual capital worth. Acquisitions should be considerably funded for African economies to witness prosperity from their cultural heritage, with Africans as owners of their talents in quality and value. Finally, the need to concert and forge reliable strategies for successful partnership initiatives to fund IP asset ownership in Africa is unequivocal. This should influence the pace and standards of business. The time is now not tomorrow. Page 18. Advert. O. A. A. Law. Onambele Ankang and Associates Law Firm. Onambele Ankang and Associates Law Firm was founded in 1990 by Joseph Antoine Onambele who was later joined by Mary Concilia Ankang. Both managing partners. Proud to be the pioneer bilingual and bidural firm practicing civil and common law in all jurisdictions of Cameroon, the Sumac region and abroad, the firm owes its maturity in legal services through innovative and resilient research coupled with hard work for clients across the globe. O.A.A. Law equally boasts of three decades of practice as a full-service corporate law firm. O.A.A. Law represents and assists clients in matters that include intellectual property protection, filings, mergers, prosecution, litigation, telecommunication, mining, real estate, finance corporate, ADR, joint venture, IPP, bot in infrastructure, etc. Mary Concilia accredited with the OP as the pioneer IP lawyer of the African Union Community IP system in Africa thus making OALAW the pioneer IP agents and lawyers in the entire Roapai region. Mary Concilia is equally the first female African country member of the ICC International Court of Arbitration in Paris, a position she held from 2006 to 2010. She is the founding chair of the African Chamber of Trade and Commerce ACC, created in 2015. Join us at OAA Law, the most dynamic one-stop shop address for quality efficiency, diligence, and competitiveness for total satisfaction. Contact. Mary Concilia Ankang. Partner Onambele, Ankang and Associates. Opposite the United States Embassy. Rosa Park Avenue Golf Ntugu. BP. 6262 Yaoundé Cameroon. Tell. 237-222-2097-76-M. 237 67 1551 fax 237 22 21 53 41 o a a law partners 2 at gmail.com info at oa law.cm
www.oalaw.cm Page 19 Profile Nigeria Name, Amaka Okafor Company, Stillwaters Law Firm Country, Nigeria Position, Associate Website, www.stillwaterslaw.com Amaka Okafor has an LLM in International Trade Law from the University of Leeds, United Kingdom and is an experienced intellectual property lawyer located in Lagos, Nigeria. She started her practice in 2014 with Stillwaters Law Firm, one of the leading intellectual property firms in Nigeria and has risen to the position of senior associate since then. In 2014, Amica also founded Safari Renewals. Safari Renewals is a leading intellectual property maintenance and management company also in Nigeria. The company was primarily established to provide high-quality and affordable intellectual property renewal and recordal services in all African countries, including Opie and Arapo. Safari's vision is to become the global market-leading company in the maintenance and management of IP in Africa by delivering state-of-the-art services and laying down an international standard for quality reliability and value in the industry. Amica has successfully built a team that is comprised of qualified and dedicated IP practitioners as well as diverse staff from various trademarks and patents registries throughout Africa, with extensive expertise in dealing with intellectual property transactions and management, sharing a common goal of meeting their clients' needs in the best way possible. She has five years of working experience in intellectual property protection and enforcement in Africa and has a keen interest in branding and trademark protection in the digital age. During her practice, she participated in a wide array of IP matters. From searches to registrations, renewals, annuities, assignments, agency, distributorship, franchising, licensing, transfer of technology, copyright depository, piracy, infringement, passing off, border enforcement measures, customs-related assistance, product registration, and dispute resolution matters. She has filed over 1,000 trademark applications and successfully registered over 500 in various African countries in the course of her practice. In addition, she has handled over 100 oppositions and refusal hearings. Amaka has also written several articles on diverse issues including but not limited to intellectual property, branding, counterfeiting, and bilateral investment treaties. She is also the Assistant Secretary at the IP Committee Nigerian Bar Association Section on Business Law. NBASPL, and played a vital role in the inauguration of the IP Committee in several tertiary institutions in Nigeria. Page 20. Article. The Importance of Intellectual Property to Small and Medium-Sized Enterprises. As discussed by Ms. Amaka Okafor, associate at Stillwaters Law Firm. With the advancement of the internet, technology, social media and entrepreneurship becoming mainstream there has been a significant shift from school leavers seeking to work with traditional organizations, for example banks, schools, etc., or pursuing traditional careers such as law, medicine, and accounting to setting up businesses slash small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, and acquiring skill sets centered around information technology, innovation, media, digital marketing to mention but a few otherwise known as the 21st century skills. Most SMEs, regardless of what product or services they provide, continuously use, and create IP daily. Every SME today, either has a trading name, an invention, valuable confidential business information, creative, original designs, or may have significantly improved on a product or service. For example, 
Laszlo Josef Biro was a Hungarian-Argentine inventor who patented the first commercially successful modern ballpoint pen. However, after him, there have been several improvements on this invention by other persons, which have likewise been patented. In addition to the pen being a patentable invention, the name on the pen is another form of protectable IP called trademarks. In this current era of creativity, invention, and innovation, there is no better time to stress the importance of intellectual property in SMEs. This article briefly addresses the meaning of intellectual property, the rights conferable on the owner of an IP, i.e., intellectual property rights IPRs, and their relevance to SMEs. Intellectual property in a nutshell. Every business enterprise broadly has two categories of assets. Physical assets, such as machinery, buildings and large warehouses. Intangible assets, intellectual property, which includes the brand, trademarks, designs inventions and other intangible possessions of the business. Previously, the value of the physical assets of a business to a large extent, determined the value of the business and were the significant sources of revenue for a business. However, recently, businesses have begun substituting these bulky physical assets with intangible assets, and as such, IP is fast becoming more valuable than physical assets in many SMEs. For instance, it can be observed that more companies are now relying more on innovative software and programs as a major source of income. This trend can also be observed in sectors that still require these physical assets, such as the manufacturing sector, as a lot of SMEs in these sectors rely more on creativity rather than the size of their machinery to remain relevant in highly competitive markets. Intangible assets are indeed taking center stage in this new dispensation and SMEs need to be sensitized on its importance to adapt and benefit from this development adequately. Intellectual Property Rights For SMEs to adequately benefit from their IP, one vital step is protecting these intangible assets by acquiring exclusive and enforceable legal rights in them. These rights are referred to as intellectual property rights, IPERs, and are usually acquired by registering or depositing. In cases of copyright, these intangible assets with the relevant agencies. IPRs are broadly classified into Patents, protect innovative products, inventions, and processes. Copyright, protects literary works. Industrial design, protects a creative design, including textile designs. Trademarks and designs, protect distinctive signs slash brand. The relevance of acquiring IP rights. The most important benefit of protecting IP or acquiring IPRs is the exclusivity it grants the holder. Trademarks, for example, prevent third parties from using and or registering identical and or confusingly similar marks. IPRs afford the holder the liberty to create a brand and niche of itself, without being susceptible to brand dilution by unhealthy competitors. Due to the exclusivity IPRs confer, the holder enjoys a higher return on investments. For example, the holder could sell or franchise its IPR, which may not have been possible if its IP was not protected. For SMEs dealing with inventions and seeking to attract investors, having a patent portfolio demonstrates a high level of expertise and could be very persuasive in attracting investment. A well-structured and protected IP portfolio can be used as collateral for obtaining loans. One of the major challenges faced by most SMEs is marketing. A successful marketing strategy shows a link between the product and services rendered with the SME. Intellectual property is a vital factor in creating this link. It essentially differentiates, promotes diversifies and markets the product services of the IPR holder.
As crucial as IP may seem, it is still constantly disregarded by most SMEs, and its relevance and potential for revenue generation grossly underestimated. To conclude, intellectual property is, in many ways, one of the most relevant parts of any business today. Trademarks, for example, are essentially the face of any business involved in the production of goods. It enables consumers to distinguish the holder's goods from those of its competitors. It serves as a guarantee to consumers of the quality to expect when purchasing an item. For example, the brand new look is associated with affordability, whereas Louis Vuitton signifies premium quality. Any customer buying a pair of shoes from either of these brands is guaranteed of what to expect. IP, if properly developed and managed increases the competitiveness of any SME and could also create secondary revenue in terms of licensing, franchising or sale which may significantly raise its profit margins. IP also enhances the SME's value in the eye of potential investors and could be used as collateral to obtain loans. However, like physical assets, IP must be legally acquired, monitored, and managed carefully before SMEs can reap its full benefits. Before this can be achieved, entrepreneurs must first acknowledge the importance and relevance of IP and begin to appreciate it as an investment and valuable asset. Once an IP has been legally protected and there are demands for the product protected by the IP, its value substantially skyrockets and, in most cases, becomes the most valuable asset of the business. Page 21. Advert. Stillwater's Law Firm. People, Integrity, Service. Nigeria, Angola, OAPI. Protecting Ideas in Africa. Services. Intellectual Property, Media, Entertainment technology, sports and litigation. Second floor 2 Iwolawo Road, Ikoi, Lagos, Nigeria. Lagos, P.O. Box 56161, Ikoi 101008, Lagos, Nigeria. Telephone, plus 234-0145-47179, plus 234-0146054-71. Plus 234-0145-44914. Email, info at stillwaterslaw.com or admin at stillwaterslaw.com. www.stillwaterslaw.com. Page 22. Asia Country Section. Sponsored by Patent Seekers, the Global Patent Searchers. Page 23. China. Profile. Name, Brenda Zhao. Company. Cornerstone and Partners. Country, China. Position, Senior Partner. Website, www.cornerstoneip.com.cn. Brenda Zhao is a senior partner of Cornerstone and Partners with almost 20 years' experience in the IP field. Brenda is very proficient in Chinese and foreign IP laws, regulations and policies and has sound knowledge and expertise on trademark matters. In the past, Almost 20 years, Brenda has been engaged in IP protection, and also practicing the philosophy of foundation to your success, addressing clients' needs, and providing clients with high-quality, efficient and thoughtful law services. She is renowned for her exceptional professional skills and down-to-earth, meticulous work attitude. As an excellent trademark attorney, Brenda is committed to providing clients with overarching IP protection and diversified dispute resolution methods to find the best cost-effective solutions.
With her great legal expertise and remarkable communication skills, she has provided effective legal advice to many clients, especially handling several significant IP protection cases for many world-famous companies. Her service has achieved excellent results in the protection of clients' rights and interests and earns her positive recognition. With many years of experience, Brenda not only provides the necessary support for clients' trademark affairs in China but also does well in handling high-end complicated cases and providing professional legal advice. She is an expert in trademark opposition and review, copyright and domain name protection, IP infringement and litigation, and other IP dispute resolution. Brenda has also written and published many professional articles in relevant national and international magazines. She has lectured at national and international IP forums and moderated IP roundtables in the fields of trademarks. Brenda is passionate about sharing her experience in the IP field and contributing to IP protection and maintenance of a fair competition environment. She was awarded the Elite Women Award in 2018, in the campaign against IPR infringement and counterfeit in China. Currently, Brenda serves as the chair of the Asia-Pacific Subcommittee of the ADR and Mediation Committee of Inter and as a member of the Anti-Unfair Competition Team of Marks. Page 24. Article. Disclaimer. Please view the digital or printed publication for the Chinese marks stated in this article. Cross-class protection of well-known marks should accord with their popularity, by Brenda Zhao of Cornerstone and Partners. It is a common view in the IP field that cross-class protection should be provided for a well-known trademark that enjoys considerable popularity. However, in general, the protection is limited to goods or services bearing considerable relevance to the well-known mark. In the event of marginal relevance, protection will generally not be given despite trademark similarity to balance public interests. We take the view that since well-known marks have huge or small popularity or distinctiveness, for those with huge popularity, protection according to their popularity should be provided, with the scope of protection most possibly extended or liberally interpreted, to effectively fight the acts of unfair competition like passing off. 1. Facts of the case. Disputed mark, number 10,316,891 trademark of Hong Kong Taitaili Electrical Appliance Company, Limited, HK Taitaili used in relation to the goods in class 11, lamps, refrigerators, air conditioning apparatus, electric heating apparatus, faucets for pipes, amp, bath heaters, etc. Cited marks, the mark in series with the numbers of 8,640,043, 150,618, and 843,154 of Société des Produits Nestlé S.A., Nestlé, used in relation to the goods in class 30 chicken extract, seasoning, seasonings, etc. Nestle applied to invalidate HK Taitaili's mark. The Trademark Review and Adjudication Board, TRAB, held that although the marks of two parties are similar, the goods of seasonings in class 30 in relation to which the cited marks are used differ markedly from the goods of lamps and refrigerators in relation to which the disputed mark is used, and no confusion is liable to be created among the relevant public thus deciding the disputed mark be maintained. Dissatisfied with the TRAB's decision, Nestle instituted proceedings against TRAB before Beijing Intellectual Property Court. The court made the no. 2016, BJ 73R 4969 Administrative Ruling on February 25, 2019, in favor of Nestle and the disputed mark, was invalidated. 2. Cause of action. Nestle asserted the following. 1. 
Nestle cited marks constituted well-known trademarks. The disputed mark is a reproduction and imitation of Nestle's well-known marks. Its coexistence with the cited marks is liable to mislead the public and harm Nestle's interests, contravening Article 13.3 of T trademark law, which provides that where a mark is a reproduction, imitation, or translation of a third party's well-known trademark which has been registered in China and where the goods are non-identical or dissimilar, which may mislead the public and cause injury to the interests of the registrant of the well-known trademark, no registration shall be granted and the use of the mark shall be prohibited. 2. Protection of well-known trademarks should not only serve to avoid confusion over origin but extend to avoidance of dilution. It would be insufficient to determine the scope of protection of prior well-known trademarks on the grounds of confusion over the origin of goods only. In view of the cited mark's great popularity and the goods' relevance degree, protection should extend to the goods in Class 11 in this case. 3. The Court Ruling The Court held the following. 1. The disputed mark constitutes reproduction and imitation of the cited marks. Comprising the Chinese characters, the disputed mark exactly contains the distinctive characters in the cited marks. Also, the combination of the characters and in the disputed mark does not bear any special meaning which is different from that of the characters in the cited marks. Therefore, the disputed mark constitutes reproduction and imitation of the cited marks. 2. Prior to the date of application for registration of the disputed mark, Nestle's cited marks had taken a significant market share in terms of the goods of chicken extract, seasoning, and seasonings and achieved considerable popularity on the market, so much so that they are no less than well-known trademarks. Therefore, the cited marks should be provided with extended protection according to their popularity, with protection scope extended from class 30 to class 11. There are four reasons as below. I. Nestle's chicken extract products under the Total brand have received the titles of China name brand product and Shanghai name brand from governmental agencies, trade associations, or civil societies. The affiliated enterprise, Total Company, has received the titles of China Top 100 Food Industry Enterprises and China Top 10 Seasoning Manufacturers. Relevant audit reports and other documents may prove that Nestle's sales volume is large and the chicken extract and seasonings under the Total brand are enjoying considerable popularity in the trade and among the relevant public nationwide. 2. Nestle's chicken extract and seasonings under the Total brand have been widely publicized and heavily promoted via the media like CCTV, provincial TVs, and newspapers. 3. In their relevant decisions, the Trademark Office under the State Administration for Industry and Commerce and Beijing No. 1 Intermediate People's Court have recognized Nestle's mark as a well-known trademark in terms of the goods of chicken extract and seasonings. The relevant decisions on administrative penalty produced by Nestle also indicate that Nestle had put in a great deal of effort to protect their trademark on the goods of seasonings prior to the date of application for registration of the disputed mark. 4. Although the goods of lamps, refrigerators, air conditioning apparatus, bath heaters, etc. in class 11 in relation to which the disputed mark is used do not constitute similar goods to the goods of seasonings in class 30 in respect of which the cited marks are used, the goods for both sides are all articles of daily use whose audience are ordinary consumers. As Nestle's chicken extract and seasonings bearing the mark have been on sale for a long time and they have been publicized and sold all over the country, the consumer public, when catching sight of the disputed mark on the goods of lamps, refrigerators, etc., will inevitably associate it with Nestle's well-known trademark to a considerable extent.
with the result that the close connection between the cited marks and Nestle's goods of chicken extract and seasonings is damaged and the distinctiveness of Nestle's well-known trademark is tarnished. In conclusion, the registration of the disputed mark infringes Nestle's right to its well-known trademark, and the application for its registration contravenes Article 13.3 of PSI trademark law. 4. Significance. Opinions of the Supreme People's Court about some issues concerning intellectual property trial service in current economic situation specifies the following, in deciding good similarity and trademark similarity. The distinctiveness and popularity of the registered trademark to be protected should be taken into account. The more distinctive and the more popular a registered trademark is, the more extended and stronger protection will be provided for it. This helps to stimulate the winners on the market, improve the market environment, and stop improper acts of free riding and imitation. Protection of well-known trademarks should accord with their popularity. The scope of protection should be extended, and cross-class protection be provided if need be to maintain the distinctiveness of well-known trademarks as much as possible and avoid their dilution, thereby effectively fighting the actions of unfair competition like committing dishonesty and passing off. Page 26. Advert. Cornerstone and Partners. Web. www.cornerstoneip.com.cn. Telephone. Plus 86-10-84-46-46-00. Email, law at cornerstoneip.com.cn. A foundation to your success. 1905, Tower B, TEYG Center, Number 2, Dongsan Wan North Road, Chaoyang District, Beijing, 127, China. Page 27. Sri Lanka. Article. Women in Intellectual Property Law, as discussed by Anomi Wainagaskar from Julius and Creasy. Intellectual property law is a neutral area of law. Comparatively, areas of law such as family law and employment law are gender-sensitive from its formulation. For example, family law is built on gender-based themes such as separation, family violence, parenting disputes, etc. Laws have been molded to address women's disadvantage. In the case of intellectual property law, Values about gender, race, and class seep in only at the execution and not at the formulation. On the other hand, intellectual property law is a fast-growing practice area of law where the subject matter varies from very technical issues to products of everyday life. Female attorneys who pursue careers in the field of intellectual property law face many challenges across the globe. In the early days. In the early days, the terms copyright, patent, and intellectual property were terms that were only limited to masculine space. Creative and literary works were assumed to be authored by men. Women were only seen as an inspiration for the cultural creation of men. Women who seek to create either scientific or artistic work were required to do so on masculine terms. They were seen as inferior to men simply because of their gender because what is protected by intellectual property law is the outgrowth of a gendered system. Intellectual property law itself became premised upon assumptions of creative work favoring the male creator. For example, knitting, quilting, and other needlework arts are creative industries which are dominated by women. They were industries where women primarily illustrated their creativity. However, unlike men, Women are more pursued by caring and sharing their knowledge rather than being profit-oriented. By contrast, the central purpose of intellectual property law is the incentive logic. That is to promote the production of new works or new ideas by guaranteeing the maker the exclusive right to remuneration for the things that he or she produces. Therefore, 
knitting and quilting developed as collective enterprises outside copyright law. However, nowadays, these industries have been commodified, and with the ease of copying, it has become essential for women to seek copyright protection for their patterns. Literature was established as a male domain. However, as literacy among women grew, women took up the pen to write. Copyright law is structured to identify an individual author and provide certain rights to that author. It mainly helps them to monopolize revenues from the books. Early feminists were more interested in seeing their ideas spread than they were in protecting their copyrights. However, in present many female authors earn their living from the system of copyright. The history of invention seldom mentions women's inventive achievements. Industrial women are almost non-existent. The general perception was that invention was an overwhelmingly masculine affair. During the early days, even when women invented objects, because women lacked property rights and due to financial constraints, a patent was often taken in the name of the father, brother, or husband. Nowadays, women have become professional inventors. For example, fields like biotechnology have a large number of female researchers, however, unlike men, women are less likely to commercialize their inventions. In my personal opinion, women by nature are soft negotiators. They are indirect and person-oriented. Therefore, they are less likely to market themselves and their work to potential business partners. To present times in IP law. The number of women who graduate from law school has increased with time. However, only a few prefer to practice as lawyers. Moreover, among them, only a very few female attorneys specialize in intellectual property law. Even among them, fewer female attorneys specialize in patent law practice compared to trademark law. In the patent field, the existence of lesser women can be explained by the fact that it is a highly technical field. Scientific and technical training is necessary to specialize in this field, and fewer women earn technical degrees. In many parts of the world, women have limited access to the kind of education that would allow them to pursue careers in the technical field. However, Trademark law and copyright law are popular areas of law among women where they outnumber men. One of the reasons why many female attorneys choose trademark law can be attributed to the role they play when interacting with clients. It is client-oriented. Often the attorney must guide and counsel her client on the selection and best use of the mark. Gender system has influenced who invents and who creates creative work. The general perception that men are the important inventors remains. Educational social, cultural, and economic factors have dissuaded women from pursuing inventive careers. Women are still absent from many aspects of the intellectual property law system, not only as inventors and creators but also as patent attorneys. Sri Lanka Compared to other countries in the world, the position of Sri Lankan women is much better. Sri Lanka was the first country in the world to elect a female head of state. Also, a recent article revealed that 64% of the professionals in Sri Lanka are women. Companies in Sri Lanka prefer female workers as their attitude towards work is more positive, and they are ready to take any role. All attorneys in Sri Lanka are eligible to practice as trademark agents, and the majority of the registered trademark attorneys are female lawyers. Even the Director General, as well as the Deputy Directors of National Intellectual Property Office, are females at present. Therefore. Despite the position in other countries, it appears that Sri Lankan women have achieved equality with men even in the arena of intellectual property law, except in the field of technology. Page 28. India. Profile. Name, Manisha Singh. Law firm, Lex Orbis.
Country, India. Position, Co-Founder and Partner. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Manisha Singh is Co-Founder and Partner at Lexorbis, India's premier intellectual property firm, providing end-to-end -end IP services and solutions starting from ideation to monetization including, procurement, protection, maintenance and enforcement of all forms of IP rights and assets and other legal services. She has been advising and handling dispute resolutions for a wide range of clients including global technology, pharmaceutical companies, public sector enterprises, Government of India, and the Department of Non-Banking Companies, to name a few. She regularly represents clients as their litigating counsel at the Supreme Court of India and various high courts and has over 20 years of litigation experience practicing at all forums including at the Supreme Court of India, High Court, District Courts, and other tribunals. Manisha studied law from one of India's premier law schools, the Law Faculty of Delhi University, after completing her master's degree in economics from Patna University. Manisha is ranked amongst the top and leading lawyers in IP and dispute resolution segments of Indian legal practice by leading law journals and publications. She is known as one of the prominent thought leaders in these segments and liked for providing proactive, out-of-the-box, business-oriented counseling, and representation. She founded Lex Orbis in 1997 with a set of like-minded lawyers to bring an international perspective to the Indian intellectual property right laws, that were in the process of being integrated with the international IP systems post-signing by India of TRIPS agreement in 1995. She worked closely with the policymakers, judiciary, and other stakeholders to establish a robust and level-playing IP regime in India, and she continues to work on critical and high-stake policy-related cases. Her in-depth understanding and knowledge of all the aspects of IPR is reflected in her prolific academic and research-based writing in renowned publications worldwide and she has been routinely invited to author articles and commentaries on contemporary IP policies and issues by national and international publications including Managing IP, World Intellectual Property Review, Indian Business Law Journal, IP Frontline, Marx, Mundak, Asia Law, etc. Manisha is member of many significant IP forums and professional bodies in India and abroad, including the International Trademark Association, INTA, International Association for the Protection of Intellectual Property, AP, American Intellectual Property Law Association, APLA, Intellectual Property Owners Association, IPO, Licensing Executive Society International, LESI, Asian Patent Attorneys Association, APAA, European Communities Trademark Association, ECTA, and Pharmaceuticals Trademarks Group, PTMG. Manisha has been widely recognized for her work in the IP space by various national-slash-international associations. Some of her latest accolades include her recognition for patent prosecution work by the IAM Patent 1000, 2019, IP Strategist by IAM 300, 2019, Managing Intellectual Property, 2019, Recognizing as an IP Star, IP Star Women of the Year, 2019 by Legal Media Group, 2019 JIPC Award for Excellence for Invaluable Services in the Field of IP, recognized amongst India's top 100 lawyers, the A-list by India Business Law Journal, recognized as leading lawyer for IP by Asia Law 2018, Managing Intellectual Property, 2018, recognizing as an IP Star for Litigation and Strategy and Counseling. Page 29. Advert. Lex Orbis Intellectual Property Attorneys Your Most Trusted IP Partner New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru 
www.lexorbis.com, mail at lexorbis.com, tell plus 91-11-237-1655. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Page 30. European Countries Section. Sponsored by Patent Seekers. The Global Patent Searchers. Page 31. Profiles. Profile 1. Greece. Name, Eva Yazitsoglu. Law Firm, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners. Country, Greece. Position, Managing Partner and Attorney at Law. Website, www.hplawfirm.com. Eva Yazitsoglu is a co-founder of HPNP, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners. After many years of having a successful career in a leading position with the firm, Eva became a managing partner in 2018. Holding a law degree from the University of Athens, she is an attorney at law and a European patent attorney. Eva has more than 40 years of recognized professional experience in trademark, patent, and copyright law, including consultation, management, and maintenance of international trademark and patent portfolios and has been advising major international clients in all industry sectors. She has also worked closely with clients from various sectors and has successfully addressed various trademark and patent infringement cases involving individuals and companies throughout Greece, either by reaching out-of-court agreements or by proceeding to litigation. She is a member of the Athens Bar Association as of 1974 and is admitted to practice before the Supreme Court and the Council of State. She is a council member of EPI and an active member of several other professional bodies, including the Athens Bar since 1974, AIPPI, and Inter. Moreover, she makes significant contributions through various associations and prestigious IP resources. Profile 2. Name, Miranda Theodoridou. Law firm, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners. Country, Greece. Position, Managing Partner and Attorney at Law. Website, www.hplawfirm.com. Miranda Theodoridou, Partner and Co-Founder of HPNP, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners, Heads the Trademarks and the Administrative Courts Department. Holding a law degree from the University of Athens and an MBA from the University of Derby, Miranda is an attorney at law and a member of the Athens Bar since 1980, and a European patent attorney with over 35 years recognized experience in all IP issues. She specializes in the legal representation of major multinational companies before the higher instances of the administrative courts and IP litigation while providing consultation in all trademark, copyright, domain name and GDPR matters. She is admitted to practice before the Supreme Court and the Council of State. She is a council member of ICTA and a member of EPI, AIPPI, and INTA. Miranda makes significant contributions through various associations and prestigious IP resources. Recent contributions include templates of commercial law, templates concerning oppositions and recourses before the Administrative Trademark Committee, Nomiki Bibliotheki, July 2019. Greek Law Digest, The Official Guide to Greek Law, Trademark, Nomiki Bibliotheki, February 2019, WTR Yearbook 2019-2020, A Global Guide for Practitioners, A Supplement to World Trademark Review, January 2019. Page 32. Profiles. Greece. Profile 3. Name, Maria Athanasiadou. Law Firm, Dr. Helen G. 
Papa Constantinou and Partners. Country, Greece. Position, Managing Partner and Attorney at Law. Website, www.hplawfirm.com. Maria Athanasiadou, Partner and Co-Founder of, HPNP, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners, Heads the Patents and Industrial Designs Department. Maria holds a law degree from the University of Athens and a master's degree in Spanish studies from the University of Barcelona. She is an attorney at law and a member of the Athens Bar since 1996. With more than 20 years' experience in all intellectual property fields, she focuses her practice on IP litigation, prosecution, and counseling, with a particular emphasis on patents, utility models, supplementary protection certificates, industrial designs, and trademarks, advising major international clients especially in the pharmaceutical sector. She is admitted to practice before the Supreme Court in the Council of State, and she is an active member of the Inter and PTMG. She is a regular contributor to several significant trademarks, designs, and patent publications. Recent contributions include third edition Intellectual Property Country Comparative Guide, The Legal 500, June 2019, WIPR Annual 2019, Greece, Business Brief, Patents in Europe, Helping Business Compete in the Global Economy 2019-2020, Patents in Greece, Lexology GTDT, May 2019, General Court Rules on Genuine Use of Figurative Trademarks Meblo, WTR Daily, March 2019, Designs 2019 A Global Guide. Profile 4. Name, Fotini Cardiopoulis. Law Firm. Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners. Country, Greece. Position, Managing Partner and Attorney at Law, LL.M. Website, www.hplawfirm.com. Fotini Cardiopoulis, Partner and Co-Founder of HPNP, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners, Heads the Anti-Counterfeiting and Anti-Piracy Department. She holds a law degree from the University of Athens with first-class honours and an LL.M. from the London School of Economics and Political Science. Fotini is a member of the Athens Bar since 1985 and has been admitted to practice before the Supreme Court and the Council of State. She has also been a lecturer for 10 years in the Police Academy. Since 1998 Fotini has been dealing with a broad range of IP matters with an emphasis on trademarks, plant breeders' rights contract drafting and reviewing, and alternative dispute resolution. She has extensive experience in IP litigation, devising and implementing anti-counterfeiting programs, filing and administering customs actions, monitoring and enforcing IP rights online and advising on domain name disputes, consulting on license and franchise agreements, and copyright issues. She has further conducted a significant number of seizures-slash-raids, including preparatory investigations concerning various sectors, such as apparel, electric-slash-electronic goods, toys, watchmaking, and tobacco-slash-cigarettes, often involving, in addition to customs procedures, civil and criminal action. She is an active member of various associations, including Ciopera, Marx, and Inter. In this context, she has given two presentations as an invited speaker at the Ciopero Academy workshop, which took place in Madrid on October 2008. She is one of the very few attorneys specializing in plant varieties in Greece and the only Greek lawyer being a member of Ciopera. Fotini regularly publishes articles in the fields of her expertise. Recent contributions include the Greek Law Digest, the official guide to Greek law, trademark, Nomiki Bibliotheki, 
February 2019, WTR Yearbook 2019-2020, A Global Guide for Practitioners, a Supplement to World Trademark Review, January 2019, 3rd Edition Intellectual Property Country Comparative Guide, The Legal 500, June 2019 and White Annual 2019, Greece, Business Brief. Page 33. Article. HP and P, Women as Lawyers, and Leaders in IP in Greece. Greece has established a strong legal and policy framework for ensuring equal rights to both men and women in the country. However, evidence shows that, in practice, discrimination seems to persist. Greece currently has one of the lowest rates of women's employment in the European Union while the Greek financial crisis and austerity measures have disproportionately affected women. Moreover, women are still significantly underrepresented in executive positions and top rank positions in the legal profession. This is not the case with Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou and Partners, HPNP. The legal profession in Greece, particularly in the upper echelons, was traditionally and continues to be mostly male-dominated. However as early back as in 1986, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantinou was one of the few bright examples of women heading a law office, leaving her individual mark in the profession for more than 40 years, up until her retirement at the end of 2018. The tradition of the law office of Dr. P. D. Theodorides, Dr. H. G. Papa Constantino, Est. 1920, and the company Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantino, John Phileas and Associates now lives on through our law firm, Dr. Helen G. Papa Constantino, and Partners, which was established in 2015, with the steering wheel of the firm again entrusted to women, namely to the capable hands of, Eva Yazitsoglo. Managing partner and the other three partners Miranda Theodoridou, Maria Athanasiadou and Fotini Cardiapoulis, who have an in-depth experience in the IP field for many years. Also, HPNP not only has women in top positions, but it is also three-quarters female. The firm is broadly recognized as leading in the IP law sector in the country. HPNP enjoys an international reputation for high-quality expert services by providing sophisticated legal and business solutions in the IP field and aptly combines its international orientation with a thorough knowledge of the Greek legal and business environment. What sets HPNP apart is its extensive experience and expertise in the entire spectrum of IP services and its commitment to problem-solving and achieving results. HPNP was the first law firm of its kind to implement a quality control system. ISO 9001-2015. With respect to the people comprising the firm, HPNP is home to 11 fully qualified lawyers with considerable experience in all intellectual property matters over many years of practice. Two HPNP attorneys are European patent attorneys, while all the attorneys of the firm are members of the Athens Bar Association. Most of them are admitted to practice before the Supreme Court and the Council of State. With the efficient assistance of 22 experienced paralegals and supporting staff, HPNP provides legal and administrative services of excellent quality and closely collaborates with 35 technical counselors whose expertise covers all technical fields. The firm serves its foreign clients in English, French, German, Spanish, and Italian. HPNP is registered in the Athens Bar Association and is a member of the Greek Association of Law Firms. Moreover, the firm has always been active in promoting intellectual property matters in Greece and internationally. All HPNP attorneys are active members of various international associations, such as EPI, ECTA, IPPI, INTA, PTMG, MARX, COPERA, ITMA, SEPA, and the UK Society of Legal Scholars.
The firm's expertise spans all aspects of IP and related legal services, i.e., consultancy, litigation work, and administrative support, including, but not limited to trademark, patent and design matters, copyright, domain name and internet law, exploitation of IP rights, anti-piracy, anti-counterfeiting and customs monitoring slash border measures, competition, advertising and consumer protection law, and many more. HPNP attorneys make significant contributions to distinguished IP resources as well as through various associations, including the International Trademark Association, INTA, and the European Community Trademark Association, ECTA. HPNP is consistently ranked among the top IP law firms in Greece by international legal directories and associations, indicatively mentioning, Corporate INTL, Corporate USA Today, IAM Patent 1000. IP Stars, Trademarks and Patents, Legal 500, The Trademark Lawyer, The Patent Lawyer, WIPR Leaders, WTR 1000, and others and have received many awards in the IP field. Despite its top ranking, HPNP is continuously striving to improve the quality and reliability of its services further and enhance its actively inclusive working ethos that encourages collaboration as the main driving force behind effective leadership and successful results. Our vision is to keep on incorporating new practice areas and opportunities so that we can continue to adapt to the growing and ever-changing needs of our clients in the legal industry. Page 34. Poland. Profile. Name, Isabella Dudek-Herbanowicz. Law firm, Patpol, European and Polish Patent and Trademark Attorneys. Country, Poland. Position, Managing Director. Website www.patpol.pl Isabella Dudek-Urbanovich is a Polish and European patent and trademark attorney. She is a respected practitioner in the field of trademark law with a proven track record of trademark prosecution and contentious cases. She is a member of Inter, Marx, PTMG, and ECTA. Mrs. Isabella Dudek-Urbanovich was elected managing director of Patpol in 2016. She leads a team of over 90 people and her key responsibilities include the development of business strategies focusing on people and innovation. Before her nomination, Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich was the head of the trademark and design department and proved herself to be an experienced patent attorney and a capable team leader with excellent managerial skills. Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich has a legal background as a Master of Laws from the Faculty of Law and Administration at Warsaw University. Amongst the clients of Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich, there are mainly pharmaceutical and FMCG companies, however, she also has vast experience working with other industry sectors, as far as trademark and design protection is concerned. For Isabella, the best recognition for her work are well-managed one client's cases and satisfied clients. At work, what she appreciates most is daily contact with people, both clients and colleagues. During her tenure, Patpol has grown through a constant development process, through new milestones in the company life cycle, such as establishing Patpol Legal, a full-service law firm, in late 2018 or introducing new employee benefits packages, i.e., additional days off or healthcare and sports packages. In her own words, Patpol is one of the unique firms where the rotation is very low. This company has its own energy, which consequently attracts people who are not only great specialists, passionate about their work but also personalities with good spirit and broad intellectual horizons and curiosity for the world.
Recently in 2019, Mrs. Dudek Urbanovich was recognized as the recommended professional in Poland according to the World Intellectual Property Review Leaders, WIPR Leaders, Guide. The list of professionals, WIPR Leaders, was selected after a four-month nomination process, during which opinions from 12,000 IP specialists in the world were collected. Outside work Mrs. Isabella likes spending time with her daughters, reading fantasy or detective books. Also, she is a big fan of hiking excursions and collecting Japanese dolls. About the IP market in Poland. I am pleased to note the positive trend among Polish small, medium, and large entrepreneurs regarding the demand for protection of their industrial property rights, not only trademarks but also their inventions. There is a growing awareness amongst businesses, research centers, or NGOs about various possibilities of financing innovations. Entrepreneurs use these funds to make their inventions, quite often revolutionary, recognized worldwide. Page 35. North and Central America, Countries Section. Sponsored by Patent Seekers, the Global Patent Searchers. Page 36. USA. Profile. Name, Michelle S. Katz. Law Firm, Advitum IP, LLC. Country, USA. Position, Founding Partner. Website, www.advitumip.com. Michelle Katz, the founder of the intellectual property law firm Advitum IP, LLC has provided powerful expertise in client counseling, strategic analysis, licensing, prosecution and litigation in all areas of intellectual property, IP, law for almost 20 years. Her diverse skill set and drive to deliver results applies equally to obtaining trademark and copyright registrations and issued patents, as it does in obtaining favorable outcomes in state and federal court and before the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, TTAB. U.S. Customs, and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. As a certified mediator, Michelle has also successfully brought parties to creative solutions for their disputes. She is most passionate about giving back in a meaningful and measurable way. Her firm, in collaboration with her family, started a scholarship fund in the name of her beloved father, an icon in the IP field, and annually funds a master's scholarship in the Innovate Sciences at the Hebrew University, Israel. In the same vein, Michelle created a mentorship program that mentors law students and new lawyers all over the world via Skype in all aspects of professional development and goal attainment. An advocate of education, Michelle is also on the speaking circuit. She has spoken on high-level IP topics at global conferences, such as at the Asian Patent Attorneys Association's annual meeting in Okinawa, Japan. She has put much focus on education to the business owner community as well. Michelle is a big believer that business owners make better business decisions when they understand the fundamentals of IP law. Hence, she has frequently been asked to speak to new business owners and cohorts of the music, film, tech incubator, 211-2, Illinois Hispanic Chamber of Commerce 1871's Latinx incubator, as well as the well-established business owners of the National Association of Women Business Owners. Getting to them while they're young is critical. So since 2015, Michelle has served as the expert on IP law and entity formation for the Young Entrepreneurs Academy, yay, a transformative after-school program, brought to Chicago by Norbo Chicago while Michelle was president of that organization. The program is geared for 12-17-year-old girls and teaches them how to select, research, vet, develop, and market a business. As far as accolades go, 
Michelle was recognized by Super Lawyers magazine as an Illinois rising star in intellectual property litigation for six consecutive years and awarded the Corporate Woman of Achievement Award in 2005, 2006, 2008 and 2010 by Norbo Chicago. In 2019, Michelle received a nomination to the I Am Strategy 300, the world's leading IP strategists. The guide created by IAM Strategy identifies the individuals who are leading the way in the development and implementation of strategies that maximize the value of IP portfolios. Also, most recently, Michelle was selected as the only U.S. attorney to be featured in this inaugural issue of the Women's IP World Annual Magazine. Michelle has passions outside of the IP world as well. She enjoys spending time with family, including her three children, traveling internationally, refining her foreign language skills, getting her heart rate up with outdoor activities such as hiking, kayaking, rock climbing, rappelling and ziplining, relaxing with wine and whiskey tastings and watching movies. Every summer, she spends a week volunteering at La Semana, a week-long culture day camp for children in elementary through high school, who were adopted from Latin America, and their family members. Fostering cultural understanding has always been an integral part of Michelle's personal life and Advitum IP's business practice. Page 37. Article. The Myth of Work-Life Balance. By Michelle S. Katz. Founding Partner, Advitum IP, LLC. 3, 2, 1. I breathed deep. Suddenly, the on-air sign flicked on. My heart pounded as we went live at WGN a kingpin of Chicago talk radio. Intellectual property, IP, was our topic. We never got to that, though. Instead, we launched into a 12-minute dialogue about work-life balance, an illusory trap many women fall into, especially in the male-dominated and very demanding field of IP. Why is this? Let's begin by taking a good, long look at ourselves. We are entrepreneurs and firm partners. We are mothers, wives, sisters, and daughters. We are litigators in the courtroom and defenders of ideas. We are marathon runners, readers, and philanthropists. We are chauffeurs and ATMs. We are paralegals and secretaries and second chairs looking to ascend the corporate ladder. We are many things to many people. On any given day, we might find ourselves standing in the center of a courtroom and in the center of our kitchen, two very different environments. During the radio interview, the host asked if I identified as a woman entrepreneur or as an attorney. My answer, the woman aspect is front and center. Gender identity is like cultural identity. Both speak to who we are. Yes, I am the founder of Advitum IP. Yes, I have a PhD in family logistics spearheading questions like what's for dinner? Have you seen my keys? Will you help me with my homework? And how do you work this? Where are we going on vacation? So how do you have a career you love and still have a life? First, banish the myth. Life rarely mirrors the perfect balance symbolized by the scales of justice. I liken our days to triage with constantly shifting priorities. In a given day, we are picking up groceries and filing papers in court. Balance, by definition, is the state where two things have equal importance. Tell that to my daughter on a day she forgot her homework, or to a client staring at a lawsuit. Work-life balance is a moving target. I am testimony to that. As a mother of three children 13 and under, I hope to raise them as people who care deeply about the world. That takes time. I am also passionate about IP law. I've crossed four continents in the past year for Advitum IP. I am happily married, which means that our relationship requires attention too. 
All this keeps me busy, but my desire to make this world a better place stretches my bandwidth even more. I founded a mentorship program at Advitum IP to help new lawyers and law students find their way. I served as president of the Chicago area chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners, NORBO. I conduct media interviews and speaking engagements about business matters and IP. While I don't have all the answers, I do have some triage secrets that have turned the work-life paradigm into a happy life. Here they are. Ask for help. I do not have a problem asking for help. If this is hard for you, start small. Know your trusted circle and ask. I do litigation and transactional work. If I'm called into court, I have to have reinforcements. Collaborate with those who share your mission. My business partner, Richard Gurak, is a long-time supporter of Norbo, among other groups. We support each other's ambitions. Embrace imperfection. Real beauty has flaws. As women, we are hard on ourselves. Give yourself permission to be less than perfect. That should be the new perfect. Surround yourself with women who have achieved what you want to achieve. Norbo surrounds me with like-minded, successful women. Its diversity gives me a global perspective. Adopt a Norlin philosophy. If you're going to do something, give it everything you've got. However, if it doesn't go as planned, be flexible. Listen for the lesson and use it to grow, giving yourself room to fail, which will likely lead to something greater. Perhaps the closing argument is, forget work-life balance and accept work-life imbalance. This truthful displacement moves us closer to a fulfilling life. The tools and strategies of which are in our own hands. Page 38. Advert. Advitum IP, Attorneys at Law, Identify, Protect for Life. A calming influence in a chaotic IP world. Hackers. Counterfeiters. Squatters. When too much of daily professional life is filled with the stress of IP portfolio management, many companies and entrepreneurs turn to Michelle S. Katz. Calm. Focused. Thorough. Michelle provides a calming approach to managing IP assets. With nearly two decades of experience, Michelle conducts trademark searches, prepares opinions, and monitors trademarks to confirm that her clients' intellectual property rights are used properly and effectively. She manages copyright registration portfolios in addition to familiarizing U.S. customs with client designs in an effort to stop counterfeit goods at U.S. borders. In the area of patents, Michelle litigates complex patent litigation matters including such varied products as textiles, hard disk drives, airbag covers, and interface transfer technology. She also manages patent portfolios to ensure U.S. and foreign patent protection for clients. Her client results have earned her recognition by Super Lawyers Magazine and Illinois Leading Lawyers. In addition, she is a founding partner of Advitum IP, an intellectual property law firm. She also is a past president of the National Association of Women Business Owners, NORBO, Chicago chapter. Bask in the calming influence of effective IP portfolio management. Contact Michelle today at mcats at advitumip.com or call. 31233277 Learn more at www.advitamip.com Trademarks, Patents, Copyright, Domain Names, Litigation, Customs Page 39 Mexico Profile Name, Laura Coleda Law Firm, Deman Country, Mexico Position, Managing Partner Website, www.dumont.mx
With more than 30 years' experience in the IP field and managing partner of the firm since 2008, Laura Kaleda is a true strategist and has acted on several milestone cases. Laura leads most of the firm's large and complex cases. Furthermore, Laura has a high profile, both locally and internationally. She is regularly invited to speak for organizations such as Marks, UIA, ASIPI, FICPI, ABPI and INTA and is a renowned teacher at several law schools. She is very active in promoting the Madrid Protocol and has lectured on the topic domestically and abroad. Laura's practice covers the complete life cycle of IP rights. However, since the recent dramatic changes to the Mexican legal framework, she has been increasingly dedicated to the promotion of the Madrid system among clients, as well as the new opposition system that entered into force. She also continues to design strategies for clients as well as litigating. Laura is the only woman in Mexico who is the managing partner of an IP law firm and a three-time recipient of the Best IP Lawyer in the Latin America Award of Euromoney's America's Women in Business Law. She has written about IP for national newspapers and international IP magazines. Laura is also a council member of Marks and project leader in the international trademark team. Furthermore, she leads the Madrid Protocol Committee at ASIPI. She is co-chair of the Standing Committee on Geographical Indications in AP, as well as a member of the Geographical Indications Committee of Inter, and a member of national and international professional associations, including APE, ASIPI, co-chair of the Geographical Indications Committee and Special Commissions Coordinator of the Madrid Protocol, APLA, member of the board, ECTU and PTMG. Laura advocates for women's equality by seeking out female candidates and offering top positions to female lawyers. She is involved in several associations, APLA, UIA, creating awareness by speaking out about glass ceiling issues at events, including the APLA Women in IP event that took place at Dumont's office in Mexico City three years in a row, 2016, 2017 and 2018. Dumont, led by Ms. Caleda, proposed to AMPPI, ARPPI Mexican chapter to create a women's committee to empower IP women lawyers, to research the sociological ground why there are so few positions for women in executive positions as well as to create awareness among the firms on our field, IP. The creation of the committee is a reality today. It started working on March 2017, and Ms. Galeda was the chair of the women's committee for two years, 2017 to 2019. She is ranked in Chambers Latin America and Chambers Global as leading lawyer. The Legal 500 Latin America, as recommended lawyer, IP stars as patent star, trademark star, and top 250 women in IP, World Trademark Review 1000, as leading lawyer, experts guide, as patents and trademarks leading lawyer. Laura was invited to be part of the expert team to work on the wording of the amendments to the Mexican industry property law. She was asked to write, among all the experts, the initiative of law as well as the exposition of reasons. This project of amendments has been introduced and presented to the Mexican House of Representatives and turned into law. As the only female managing partner of an IP firm in Mexico, Ms. Galeda acts as an icon to women who wish to advance their careers in this field. The women working at Dumont often choose to stay long-term in order to improve their knowledge and expertise here, since they are met with far less bias than is often found at other firms in Mexico. This has made Dumont known as a firm in which women are empowered, acknowledged, and groomed as lawyers. Page 40. Article. Why is everybody talking about cultural misappropriation? As discussed by Laura Caleda, Dumont. 
Cultural appropriation also called cultural misappropriation is a concept that it is not well defined and that when defined, pretty much depends on the source, of which elements, and political position they are referring to phrase such a concept. It is an issue that has critics and defenders and many blurry lines, and depending on the author, it will be related to white supremacy, the Western world, xenophobia, and such. We often hear great arguments defending one position or the other and more frequently, arguments without any knowledge or understanding of what is essential to highlight. It is an issue that needs context, as well as relevancy to current culture. It is a sensitive issue which depends on the eye of the beholder. Who owns culture? In modern free society, it is supposed that cultural exchange enriches our society. It is a vital part of the culture and its grounds on the cultural appreciation. However, there is a very fine line between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation, they are entirely different concepts. There are so many things that we borrow from different cultures, food, for example. In the Western world we like Asian food or Mexican food and many times it is not the real thing, it is inspired in a particular cuisine, however, I genuinely believe that cuisine exemplifies cultural exchange at its best. Being a Mexican, most of the time, I do not like the inspirations or the look-alike. However, a part of my heart appreciates that it is likable, thus, people try to imitate it or are being inspired by it. Regardless of that, in my country, it would never be considered as original. The same happens with music, and its performers, Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus, etc., as well with hairstyles and hairdressers, dreadlocks, braids, mohawks, etc., fashion, etc. There is a very fine line between the critics speaking about cultural misappropriation and defenders talking about cultural appreciation. Every single year around fashion week, important fashion shows, award season, and lately prom season, we hear about this topic. The cheap how dress, the Chinese bag, the white singer winning R&B awards, Katy Perry, Caroline Herrera using Mexican imagery, Coachella and Native American symbols, UK chefs cooking authentic Asian food, and the list goes on and on. Not forgetting, Halloween, and the insensitive costumes. So, what is it? Is it cultural appropriation or just paying homage? As mentioned before, the tricky thing to establish is that if it is hurtful and offensive to ethnic minorities, it should not be done. Nevertheless, expressed like this, it seems only to be a moral issue, and it is not. Usually, expressions of culture are protected by intellectual property. To define cultural appropriation, it means the use of one culture and its defining elements, by another culture. Oxford Reference defines it as, a term used to describe the taking over of creative or artistic forms, themes, or practices by one cultural group from another. It is in general used to describe Western appropriations of non-Western or non-white forms and carries connotations of exploitation and dominance. As mentioned before, there is not a universally accepted definition for the term, but it always relates to the use of art, imagery, symbology, artifacts of cultural expressions with significance to a minority or dominated group by someone who does not belong to that group. It is important to highlight, as a foundation for making laws related to this topic, that appreciation of culture requires understanding and respect, appropriation lacks those things. There must be certain engagement with the culture to appreciate it. Borrowing is not inherently wrong, and cultures must not be reduced to stereotypes. Some authors consider that trends are not trends, they are someone's culture. 
Trends usually cherry-pick things from a minority culture and make them socially acceptable when the dominant culture adopts it and finds it fashionable, cool, innovative, inspirational, etc. Usually, this cherry-picking will be profitable for the trendsetter. Moreover, other authors speak about assimilation, which in these cases is not suitable. Assimilations most often are a means of survival, so, where do we stand? It is difficult to say. Context, geography, and current culture are important when defining what to protect and how to protect it. A free modern society promotes cultural development and the enrichment of culture, however, in a society like this, many voices accompany it, freedom of speech, indigenous rights, western supremacy, and so on. Global modern world culture is being created every single day, people share their culture, and sometimes they give it up, because of political, economic, etc. reasons, but it transforms every day, regardless of the reason. Perspective is valid. So legally speaking, what should be done? It is not a trivial topic, and there are many angles, many perspectives, there is no way to please everyone. Weepo has been working on the issue and recognizes the protection as sui generis. In 2008, the Weepo Intergovernmental Committee on Intellectual Property and Genetic Resources, Traditional Knowledge, and Folklore Commission two gap analyzes on the protection of traditional cultural expressions slash expressions of folklore and traditional knowledge. In 2017, the Weepo General Assembly requested the Secretariat to update the 2008 gap analyzes on the existing protection regimes related to traditional knowledge and traditional cultural expression. It is various works advising policymakers. Weepo suggests treating traditional cultural expressions as intellectual property, where holders would have the possibility to control access and use of these rights by third parties, as well as using intellectual property principles and values to prevent unauthorized or inappropriate uses by third parties, namely misuse and misappropriation. It is a sui generis protection adapted to respond to the features and needs of these rights. Protection would consist of positive protection that will enable the granting of rights that empower communities slash nations to promote and control their uses by third parties and benefit from their commercial exploitation as well as defensive protection in order to stop people outside the community slash nation from acquiring intellectual property rights over these rights. Weepo has also analyzed and suggested which are the key questions with the view of developing an IP strategy regarding the protection of traditional knowledge and traditional cultural expressions. As an advisor to policymakers, the lawmakers should decide if it should be protected as a sui generis intellectual property right, and if so, define the objectives and the legal means of their protection. This should be done by identifying the traditional cultural expressions in the holder's interest, assessing legal systems of protection and considering as an option, sui generis, as well as assessing the implementation. Also, Governments should identify the interested parties surveying the cultural expressions of the country as well as the indigenous and local communities that hold, practice, and maintain such rights. It should also assess the expectations of using them as a vehicle for economic development. Also, we must highlight that between a sui generis IP system and a traditional IP system, there are most certainly gaps. Obviously, without any harmonization, there are at an international level, obligations, provisions, and possibilities to protect these rights. The gaps refer to an unmet economic, cultural, and social need. Moreover, there is a conceptual divide. A traditional IP system would have certain shortcomings, conceptions such as ownership, fixation, originality, exclusive rights are entirely different when referring to traditional expressions. 
cultural expressions were created primarily for spiritual, religious, tribal purposes which differ quite much to the objectives of traditional IP. There could indeed be other non-IP mechanisms such as laws about cultural wealth, dignity, human rights, heritage preservation, etc. So, it must be a goal to enhance international instruments to protect these cultural expressions. At a national level, many countries are doing an excellent job, but in the meantime, we must appeal to educate people on what cultural appropriation is. It is not a trivial issue. We must understand that cherry-picking cultural elements from marginalized groups without knowing or caring what the significance is of such elements, might hurt and affect that group. History shows that people share their culture, and sometimes they are forced to give it up, it can be disempowering, dehumanizing. It is essential to take responsibility for your actions that can cause harm to other people. For example, I am Mexican, and I have never understood why Cinco de Mayo is celebrated in the United States. It is celebrated by drinking a lot, eating guacamole, wearing huge sombreros and fake mustaches. It is not Mexican Independence Day, September 16th, and that is a huge misconception, and most Americans do not know what that holiday commemorates. The date is observed to commemorate the Mexican army's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla, on May 5, 1862. The victory of the smaller Mexican force against a larger French force was a boost to morale for the Mexicans. A year after the battle, a more significant French force defeated the army and Mexico City soon fell to the invaders. What is the reason to celebrate? It is said that at the beginning of the last century some Mexican consulates in the USA used to celebrate and from there it picked up as something to commemorate. Usually, it stereotypes Mexicans and its traditions, it should not be like that, this is my personal opinion. The same happens with ninja or geisha costumes or traditional tribal wear, such as pinachos of indigenous tribes, or some headdresses or tribal Polynesian tattoos. Appropriation does not go both ways. We have to understand that what is trivial for one person, might be very important for someone else, each perspective is valid. We should never invalidate, and we should be cautious with creative licenses. Sharing or borrowing is acceptable if we understand the significance and value of those cultural expressions and use them properly. We should not create resent and blurry, fun lines should be balanced. So next time, appreciate cultural expressions, you do not have to own it, to do it. Disclaimer, reference links for this article are available in the digital version online. Page 42. Advert. Duman. Your trusted IP advisor in Mexico. Your ideas, our business. www.dumon.com Page 43. Costa Rica. Profile. Name, Gabriela Bowden. Law firm, ePROINT. Country, Costa Rica. Position, partner. Website, www.eprointe.com Whilst taking an IP course in law school, I discovered what would define me professionally. I realized that individuals and companies invested time and money into creating products that, in turn, drove the economy. My aim was to become a lawyer, to distinguish myself, and assist individuals and companies in the adequate protection of their IP rights. I practiced as an attorney within the legal department of customs in Costa Rica for several years, where I learned all aspects of border protection, the different regimes that affect the importation and exportation of goods. During that time, I drafted many important projects that are still today applicable in Costa Rica within the General Customs Directorate. 
This rich knowledge has become useful when handling complex anti-counterfeiting cases. ePROINT is the company of which I am the only lady partner. We were founded in the year 2000 by my current partner Aaron, and I joined him in 2008. I aim to launch the Caribbean practice and to take our international practice to the next level. Today ePROINT is one of the most important full IP service law firms that offer a single point of contact for the Caribbean and Latin America. We are, in fact, the only service provider that has an actual physical presence in the Caribbean, and this changes the equation of being an intermediary. I have been an active practitioner in the IP arena for over 20 years. Luckily my expertise has permeated all areas of this fascinating world of both industrial and intellectual property with a particular focus on anti-counterfeiting in the Caribbean and Latin America, over 40 jurisdictions. Besides having obtained a law degree, I also hold a degree in business management, an LLM in intellectual property, and have completed various short specialization courses such as with the University of Barcelona. The IP field is in flux, and I am heavily involved with the AP Regional Group, the Caribbean and Central America, of which I am the secretary, and I regularly attend Inter, Marx, APAA, ASIPI and other important events in the IP world. Being key in the development of our business, I have faced many challenges along the years, as running a business can be risky as it entails the unforeseen. Along the years, I have embraced our challenges with a smile and extreme hard work in order to guarantee success. My focus as a professional is to be behind our clients 100%, and I assure you that if you are a company with ambition, I can help you fulfill it and accompany you along the way. I do not do this alone as I am surrounded by an amazing team of committed professionals, loyal to our clients' projects, and together we establish a work environment and culture that encourages our team members to deliver a high-quality service, along with legal and technical solutions. I focus on excellence, and this is reflected by the extensive portfolio of clients that I represent, and with thanks to them, I have been continuously ranked by Legal 500, Chambers and Partners and WTR 1000 as a leading professional in Latin America and the Caribbean. Chambers and Partners Highlights, commended by clients for her grasp of IP matters, as one highlights, I was impressed by her knowledge and enthusiasm, she's professional and international in her outlook. Her main areas of activity include trademark filings and enforcement actions. Legal 500 comments as follows, the practice is co-led by the extremely flexible, committed and supportive Gabriella Bowden. WTR 100 Comments, ePROENT has the broadest geographic footprint of any firm in the WTR 1000 Caribbean section, it has offices in Belize, the Cayman Islands Costa Rica, the Dominican Republic, Guatemala, and Honduras, proactive, ultra-responsive, efficient, and solutions-oriented, Gabriella Bowden has a profound knowledge of international trademark law. Currently, the majority of my work is still purely client-facing business development and in the management of the group that assists me, and despite the success of my firm, I don't get carried away as I know we are only as good as our last job. Page 44. South American Countries Section. Sponsored by Patent Seekers the Global Patent Searchers. Page 45. Argentina. Profile. Name, Melissa Litvin. Law firm name, Litvin Maserati Legalis. Country, Argentina. Position, Founder Partner. Website, www.lmlegalist.com.ar. Melissa Litfin, 
the founder partner of Litvin Maserati Legalis, is one of the preeminent IP service law firms in Latin America with a long-established reputation for superior legal work. Melissa was associate in the intellectual property department of the firm Elende and Breer for seven years, and years ago, with drive and passion created her own intellectual property firm, Litvin Legalis, and today with the addition of new partners renamed Litvin Maserati Legalis. Melissa has been practicing intellectual and industrial property law for over 17 years and has experience in all areas of IP law including trademarks, patents, trade secrets, e-commerce, copyright, unfair competition, franchising, domain names, and litigation. Melissa received her law degree as well as her postgraduate certification in high-technology law from Universidad Torquato de Tela, City of Buenos Aires. Melissa has completed numerous specialized courses in the intellectual property arena both in Argentina and abroad. She also encourages her team to remain educated and informed on innovations in intellectual property. She advises large, medium, and small companies permanently or acts as special counsel in various commercial transactions carried out in Argentina and abroad. Melissa also litigates and counsels her clients. She handles matters involving trademark, copyright, trade secret, and patent litigation being an expert in Argentinian and international trademark protection and always preparing license and technology transfer agreements. Melissa is also a pioneer in Argentina working with entertainment and media companies which rely on the latest online technologies to distribute and market products and services, as well as advising internet and technology companies in transactions related to the distribution, licensing and use of digital content and the enforcement of intellectual property rights in the digital environment. Regarding IP litigation, Melissa has represented clients across a wide range of industries. Melissa has a long tradition in the area of intellectual property that dates back to the very foundation of the firm, consisting of highly experienced attorneys and agents who provide an outstanding track record of experience, skill, efficiency, and counsel. Melissa maintains a robust global presence, regularly attending several international IP congresses, including Inter, ASIPI, and Marx meetings. As a member of Inter's Public and Media Relations Committee, Melissa understands the importance of maintaining professional relationships with lawyers and firms worldwide. You can read in Legal 500 that Litvin Maserati Legalis receives rave reviews for its outstanding service, business-oriented legal advice and great ability to structure cost-effective IP strategies. Trademark matters are a notable sweet spot, with founding partner Melissa Litvin lauded as a trademark expert. Most recently, Melissa Litvin was nominated for the Chamber's Women in Law Awards 2018 for Argentina Lawyer of the Year. She has also featured in several articles in the Argentinian magazine Noticias, where she addresses current issues in intellectual property law and educates businesses on the importance of proactively protecting their intellectual property assets. It has been a constant working path for her in the face of adversity, not only because she is a woman and a mother of three. She has always known how to achieve a balance between her personal and professional life. For her, one of the keys is to have efficient and reliable teamwork. For Melissa, relations with her employees and her clients are very important. International rankings and publications continue to show that Litvin Maserati Legalis is one of Latin America's leading law firms in the intellectual property practice area. Melissa Litvin continues maintaining a strong global presence building professional relationships with lawyers and firms worldwide. 
Litvin Maserati Legalis is very proud of its IP professionals, who in addition to their recognized work for clients, maintain a leadership role in the local and international intellectual property community. Furthermore, Litvin Maserati Legalis and especially, founder partner Melissa Litvin continues to be recognized in the leading legal directories such as Chambers, Legal 500, WTR 1000, with nominations to both, Chambers Women in Law and Luxury Law Awards. Page 46. Columbia. Profile. Name, Claudette Verno. Law firm name, Estrategia Juridica. Country, Colombia. Position, Director and Attorney at Law. Website, www.estrategiajuridica.co. Claudette Verno has focused her career on studying and improving brand protection programs and IP litigation strategies in Colombia. After receiving her law degree from the Universidad Externado de Colombia, she completed a postgraduate diploma in the University Pantheonesses in Paris. She is the chair of the Anti-Counterfeiting Subcommittee for the Latin American and Caribbean region in Inter and is also a member of ACPI, IPCA, and APRAM associations. Ms. Verno is an expert in the protection of trademarks throughout Latin America and Central America. She advises several companies at the regional level in the definition of strategies to protect trademarks and in large markets while providing solutions to fight contraband and counterfeit. Ms. Vernet was regional outside counsel for five years, assisting the general legal counsel in the fight against the illegal trade for the company PMI, specifically covering the Latin American region. Claudette Verno was the pioneer lawyer in Colombia for IP criminal cases for brands such as Louis Vuitton, Levi's, Nike, Adidas, and Microsoft. New actions such as customs border measures and consumer law were part of the latest strategies for brand holders. She began programs for training customs officers, members of the police force, and different agencies in 1999. Her experience in the intellectual property field makes her one of the most recognized attorneys in Colombia. She has trained her team to understand that the client is a business partner and that they must collaborate to find strategies to protect their IP portfolio. She works for several brand holders, advising the Latin American region in order to find legal strategies against transnational counterfeiters. She focuses her programs in the main ports of the country and has actively collaborated with the National Tax and Customs Direction in the modifications to customs law related to border measures in the country. She has worked as a professor in the area of commercial contracts related to industrial property rights, copyrights, and new technology at Universidad Externado de Colombia. Ms. Verno is fluent in Spanish, English, French, and Italian. Ms. Verna first embarked in her practice in IP law in a French company, Sodial in Paris. This was followed by working for three years in a Bogota law firm, Cavalier Abogados. Ms. Verno then founded her own practice, Estrategia Juridica, in 1998. Estrategia Juridica's primary focuses include the litigation of IP cases, consumer law, unfair competition, brand protection programs, and the enforcement of IP rights. Practice areas include brand protection, criminal and civil law, trademarks, patents, copyrights, consumer law, and data protection. Advert. Same page. Estrategia Juridica. Intellectual property, brands, trademarks, licensing, protection, patent, invention and copyright. Brand protection and enforcement in Colombia. Corporate law, IP law, criminal law, commercial law. Competition Law and Litigation 
Carla 90 number 12 to 28 Bogota, Colombia. Telephone 571-638-1071. Cellular 5731674342154215. Email estratehiaestratehiaheridica.co. Page 47. IP Innovation Service Providers. Profiles and Articles. Patent, Trademark, Renewals, Brand Protection Solutions and Services. Sponsored by Patent Seekers, The Global Patent Searchers. Page 48. The United Kingdom. Intro, Bio, and Article. Bio, Freya Shepherd, Biomedical Science, Clinical Biochemistry, MSc, is an established member of the Biotech team at Patent Seekers, a leading patent research company based in the UK and Canada. She has worked on patent search cases from standard toe-in-the-water and patentability searches, through to complex freedom to operate and invalidity searches. Her specialisms are therapeutics, surgical devices, pharmaceuticals, and gene modification. Freya is passionate about women in science and intellectual property and relished the opportunity to write an article for the inaugural edition of the Women's IP World. Article. Women of Science. By Freya Shepard. Member of the Biotech team at Patent Seekers. www.patentseekers.com A ship in port is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. Sail out to sea and do new things, Grace Hopper. Women inventors, scientists, and engineers have discovered countless revolutionary and life-changing inventions that have caused unprecedented breakthroughs in the history of the world. Why is it then that when we are asked to name a famous inventor, it is Thomas Edison, Benjamin Franklin, or Alexander Fleming who comes to mind. These men undoubtedly made gigantic steps for mankind and science, and we are still very reliant on their inventions today. However, is their work any more noteworthy than that of Stephanie Kwolek, the inventor of Kevlar, whose groundbreaking work has protected countless army and police personnel across the world? Or that of Hedy Lamarr, a Hollywood actress who invented a secret communication system used by the U.S. Navy in order to send covered messages to sea? Some of the most influential inventions to reach our markets have come from the minds of female inventors, however, innovation and design have traditionally been viewed as male-dominated environments. In recent years, significant efforts have been made to address this imbalance by promoting STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, subjects to women in education and to introduce government-led legislation to ensure men and women are equally represented in the workplace. This article will explore some of the most significant inventions of the last 150 years and the female minds behind them, and using patent statistics, will explore how the current patent landscape is progressing towards an equally represented field. One woman who was arguably far too advanced for her scientific day, so much so that it was near 100 years until her ideas were fully understood and benefited from, was Ada Lovelace, a mathematician, scientist, and world's first computer programmer. In the 1840s, in collaboration with Charles Babbage, Lovelace suggested to Babbage that she should work out a language for the analytical engine that Babbage was creating, based on her advanced knowledge of mathematics. The language she created, Ada, is now considered to be the first computer program. She predicted that such a language would be able to compose complex music, produce graphics, and could be harnessed for both practical and scientific use, ideas exponentially ahead of her time. Whilst Ada eventually received recognition for her computer language Ada it took a long time for her significant contribution to be recognized. 
Rear Admiral Grace Hopper was an American computer scientist, receiver of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and one of the very few women to ever reach the rank of Rear Admiral. After joining the U.S. Navy during the Second World War, Hopper was assigned to work on a new computer, called the Mark I. By the 1950s, she was at the forefront of computer programming. As one of the first programmers of the Harvard Mark I computer, she was a pioneer of computer programming and invented one of the first linkers, originally called a compiler. She promoted the idea of machine-independent programming languages, which led to the development of COBOL, an initial high-level programming language which is still in use today. While working on the Mark II computer, Hopper and her associates found a moth stuck in a relay, disrupting communications. This has been suggested as the first instance of literal debugging. Hedy Lamarr was not your average 1940s Hollywood film star, she developed a secret communications system which would later be used by the U.S. Navy. Born in Austria, where she began her Hollywood career, which included a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, she then moved to the United States where she met composer George Antheil. Together they developed a radio guidance system which used frequency hopping spread spectrum technology to overcome the possibility of interference. Their invention was granted a patent in 1942, US 229287A, and is patented under her married name, Hedy Keesler-Markey. However, the technology was difficult to implement at the time, and the Navy did not like to use ideas from outside the military. In 1962, a current updated version of their invention finally appeared on Navy ships. Although the Navy was slow to implement the technology, Various spread-spectrum techniques are incorporated into Bluetooth technology and are similar to methods used in legacy versions of Wi-Fi. After 50 years, the Navy gave her recognition for her ingenious invention which included an induction into the National Inventors Hall of Fame, in 2014. The National Inventors Hall of Fame, which works in collaboration with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USTO, honors the history of innovation with its some 581 inductees. However, only 39 of these are women. Does this reflect the recognition women inventors have been given throughout history? The National Science and Technology Medals Foundation follows suit with a staggering low number of 61 out of 707 of its inductees being women. This is not a true reflection of how many of the innovative ideas we rely on today that were developed by women. The Patent Corporation Treaty Yearly Review, 2019 published by the World Intellectual Property Organization, looks into current trends of those patenting under the Act. This year it published that in 2018, women accounted for 17% of all inventors listed in PCT applications. Fields of technology related to the life sciences, such as biotechnology and pharmaceuticals, have comparatively high shares of women among inventors. Women account for over half of contributions in the biotechnology field in 2018 a figure which could be suggested will rise as figures have done so year on year since 2000 although more women than men are now going to university. In the academic year 2016-2017, 10% less women than men are studying scientific subjects which could indicate that the climb to equality might be slowing down. See figure 1, images displayed in the digital and print versions of this publication only. Contrastingly, figures show that fields such as mechanical elements and engines, pumps and turbines are some of the least represented by women, a trend which has been apparent since 2000. Although the share of women inventors in mechanical elements and engines, pumps and turbines were joint lowest in 2018 out of all the fields, both of these have shown exponential growth in women inventors rising by 69 and 63% respectively.
which may indicate that government legislation and STEM encouragement is having a positive effect on gender representation equality in these areas. See Figure 2, images displayed in the digital and print versions of this publication only. However, not all great inventions have come from women who studied at higher education level or those who studied scientifically. For instance, Josephine Cochrane invented the dishwasher, a socialite with no formal education who invented the first useful dishwasher in 1886 out of necessity to prevent her servants from breaking her fine china. Cochrane went on to found her own company to manufacture her dishwashers, which eventually became KitchenAid. The gender gap is still widespread. Even in progressive economies, there are still relatively low shares of PCT applications by women inventors. For example, in 2018, in the United Kingdom, only 26% of PCT applications had women inventors. Women may still be coming up against the notorious glass ceiling. However, the landscape is undoubtedly improving. In all but one of the top 20 contributors, there have been impressive improvements. Sweden and Finland have increased their figures by over 100% in the last 18 years. This suggests that although there is still a gap across the globe, the level of women inventors has risen, and this will likely continue. See Figure 3, image is displayed in the digital and print versions of this publication only. In conclusion, the patent world is progressively recognizing more women inventors, although this progression is more evident in some subjects more than others, and in some countries more than others. The drastic increases over the last 18 years are encouraging and have led to a varied landscape from which we can conclude that women will in time play a more significant role in innovation, engineering, and design but at what point men and women become equals on this level is unknown. Note, in order to attribute gender to inventors' names recorded in PCT applications, WIPO produced a gender-named dictionary based on information from 13 different public sources. Gender is attributed to a given name on a country-by-country -country basis because certain names can be considered male in one country but female in another. From World Intellectual Property Indicators Quote originally attributed to John Augustus Shedd, although adopted as a motto by Grace Hopper. Disclaimer See figures and graphs in this article in the print and digital versions only. Page 50. Advertisement. Patent seekers, the global patent searchers. Specialist global search services for patent attorneys, universities, technology companies, and SMEs. Services. Patentability slash novelty search. Infringement slash FTO slash clearance. Invalidity slash patent busting. State of the art. Patent mapping slash landscapes. Patent monitoring. Patent status. Competitor analysis. Telephone number, plus double four, O one, six three, three eight, one six, six O one. Email, mail at patentseekers.com. Website, www.patentseekers.com. Page 51. The United Kingdom. Profile. Name. Anne Chapman Daniel. Company, Mindsoft. Country, United Kingdom. Position, Co-Founder and Managing Director. Website, www.mindsoft.com. Before starting Mindsoft, the online patent software company, a love of language and literature inspired Anne Chapman Daniel to choose publishing as a career at International Thomson's Marketing Group in London. Partly due to her knowledge of German, Chapman Daniel was asked to work on their international sales and marketing team, when they first moved into the online database business in the 1980s, launching Derwent World Patents Index Online, 
Although she left the IP industry for a time, Chapman Daniel returned to patents and SciTech publishing with France Telecom Group, now Questel Orbit. Here she worked as director and managing director for three years before taking the leap with husband, Ophia Daniel, to start their own business, Mindsoft. Mindsoft has since gone through 20 years of innovation and development, an achievement in itself. In 2003, Mindsoft and RWS launched PatBase, a new searchable database of patent documents designed by experts in the complex art of patent information research. Since the first critically acclaimed public demonstrations in 2003, PatBase has gone on to attract over 80,000 users worldwide. Over the years, Mindsoft has expanded its suite of products to include a range of alerting and tracking tools, chemical searching, and more. Most recently launching IPShare, a new collaboration tool aimed at IP law firms to work together on projects and share insights with clients, and PatKM, a workflow-based patent knowledge management system. Anne and Ophir started the company around their kitchen table and have grown the company every single year for 21 years, now with clients and offices all over the globe, in every corner. With leading corporations, patent offices, and law firms among its customers, Mindsoft has come a long way from its humble beginnings. It has achieved this without taking on outside investment but instead in always being forward-thinking and growing the company's network and locating new partners. A testament to Mindsoft's ongoing innovation and the dedication of the development, sales, and support behind the scenes, has been winning the Queen's Award for Enterprise in 2009 and again in 2015. At the end of 2018, Anne Chapman Danielle took home the Award for Female Entrepreneur of the Year in the Regional Chamber of Commerce Business Awards and was more recently named Information Professional of the Year by the German publication, Password. With Mindsoft going from strength to strength in the 20 years since the company was first founded, Anne Chapman Daniel plans to continue traveling widely to learn about our globe and help develop new technologies for the future. She looks forward to spending much time both sides of the Atlantic and Mediterranean seas. Page 52. Article. Taking out the trash, big industry starts clearing up the mess made by our throwaway society. Written by Moira Seville's, Business Development Executive, and Caitlin Kavanagh, Marketing Executive, Mindsoft. Over recent years, the public's awareness of the impact of pollution and climate change has grown. As a result of this, big industry has been forced by governments and consumers alike to step up its game in reducing plastic usage, finding ways to recycle potentially toxic items like chemicals, aluminium or plastics, and mitigating their own carbon footprint. Unilever, Nestle, and Coca-Cola were some of the well-known corporations that were recently named and shamed by International Development Agency, Tier Fund. Contributing 3 million tons, Coca-Cola, 1.7 million tons, Nestle, and 610,000 tons, Unilever, of plastic packaging in 2018. All three companies have since pledged to drastically reduce their plastic footprint over the next 5 to 10 years. Coca-Cola's World Without Waste strategy, for example, aims to collect a bottle or can for each one sold by 2030. This is good news for Norway-based company Tomra, which dominates the market for vending machines that collect containers for recycling. Shares in Tomra have unsurprisingly tripled over the past three years. Meanwhile, other companies like BP are trying to find fixes internally. BP has described their new chemical recycling process as a game-changer and plans to commercialize it by 2025. By interrogating clean and comprehensive patent data, 
it's easy to see which companies are putting their money on the table and investing in this area, rather than just talking the talk. Using a commercial database with integrated analytics, like PatBase, makes it easier to visualize and examine these larger datasets to better understand the technology landscape. What is solid waste management? Solid waste management is the handling of discarded materials, including paper, plastic, glass, electronics, food, chemicals, etc. Although we have always produced waste, the rapid growth of the world population, currently at 7.7 billion, coupled with societies becoming richer and more consumeristic has given rise to a throwaway culture. To protect the public and the environment from the harmful side effects of waste, research, and development into solid waste management is crucial to establish new production and consumption patterns. In the following sections, PatBase Analytics V2 is used to show the key trends in climate mitigation technologies related to solid waste management, especially over the period 2012 to 2019. The dataset used consists of CPC classification codes such as waste collection, transportation, transfer or storage, waste processing or separation, landfill technologies, bioorganic fraction processing and reuse, recycling or recovery technologies. This search produced 142,642 results as of August 2019. China leading the way in solid waste management technologies. An initial years by jurisdiction analysis was carried out to visualize patenting activity by country over the last 25 years. Patent activity from 1995 was on a slow upward trend with Japan being significantly ahead of other jurisdictions by 2000. The rise in the number of patent filings can be explained by the emergence of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, UNFCCC, in 1992. They raised concerns worldwide over the necessity of uniting and combating human interference with the climate system. This led to more and more green technologies coming out of the research labs and being integrated into society. A close-up of a map, image displayed in the print and digital version of the publication only. Figure 1 Solid Waste Management, Recent 25 Years Analysis by Jurisdiction, image displayed in the print and digital version of the publication only. However, since 2010, China's share of the market has increased exponentially, surpassing Japan, as the leading innovator in this technology area. Being a global manufacturing powerhouse, China generates more waste than any other country, this is likely due to China's growing consumerism. For example, Consider the popular Chinese food delivery apps, Meituan, and L.me, these platforms on average conducted 34 million daily deliveries in the first half of 2018, the level of plastic waste from all those orders would be huge. In order to offset their increasing waste production, several waste management companies have been coming up with new ideas, hence, we can observe the surge in the number of new patent families. Not only does China produce the most waste, they also import a lot of waste from other nations. However, as of January 2018, China's national sword policy came into effect restricting imports of 24 different types of waste material. The effects of the ban could be a catalyst for change, an opportunity for countries in the West to come up with breakthrough green technologies instead of dumping their waste in developing nations. We may see a rise in innovation and a subsequent increase in the number of patent filings from other jurisdictions in the coming years. The GDP gap hindering green growth. Narrowing the search to the most recent five years, we can view the geographic breakdown in Figure 2. Images shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. A close-up of a map, 
Images shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. Figure 2, Solid Waste Management, World Map Chart, Images shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. R&D budgets are rising, but the share devoted to the environment remains stagnant. Low patenting activity in countries like Brazil, South Africa, and India, which account for less than 1% of the world's environmental technologies, suggests opportunity for inward technology transfer and diffusion. The lack of priority amongst the top filing countries suggests little transferal of patents have occurred outside the top filing jurisdictions. This is unsurprising as effective waste management is expensive, often accounting for 20% to 50% of municipal budgets, making it unaffordable for developing countries. Looking further at the citation network provides an interesting picture. Studying the structure of the citations network can further our understanding of how innovation knowledge is connected and passed on between different assignees. A close-up of a map, image shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. Figure 3, Solid Waste Management, Citation Network, images shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. Taking a closer look at these assignees, mainly global corporations appear to dominate in solid waste management, indicating their interest in applied research. United States Gypsum has 51,893 forward citations, and Halliburton Company has 49,367 forward citations. From here the number of forward citations for the following eight assignees in the top 10 drastically decreases. The number of forward citations is a useful predictor of patent value as a large number of forward citations suggests industry-wide investment, indicating in this instance that valuable patents are owned by a select few assignees and knowledge sharing seems exclusive within a single jurisdiction, the U.S. The role of universities and research centers role appears negligible, suggesting lack of incentive for directing innovation towards environmental objectives. It is essential to narrow the gap between emerging and developed nations to increase international technology transfer, as well as increasing incentive and funding opportunities for more research centers to be actively involved in climate change technologies. Landscape Analysis The 3D landscape map in PatBase Analytics V2 groups patents according to semantically derived concepts, the height of the hill signifies number of families relating to the concept in question, for example, carbon dioxide. Images shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. Figure 4, Solid Waste Management, Landscape Map, Images shown in the print and digital version of this publication only. Studying the landscape in Figure 6 shows there is potential white space in this field. For example, there could be room for development in the concepts close to the most popular solid waste management concepts, carbon dioxide and Portland cement, like waste container, processing plastic or packaging technique. Recent investment into these areas include Tomra, an advanced sensor-based sorting technology which can optimize sustainability by increasing the yield of recycled waste and vegware, plant-based biodegradable packaging which emits less carbon and is completely disposable. Further analysis into these identified concepts could help investors to expand their solid waste management exposure, becoming a market leader and encourage global sustainability. Conclusion Having access to a powerful patent searching and analysis tool can aid companies in discovering new opportunities, protecting their patent portfolio, and monitoring a technology area. All charts and graphs featured in this article were created in PatBase Analytics V2, included in all PatBase subscriptions at no extra cost.
Users can visualize a bird's eye view of market trends and key competitors, as well as identification of potential business partners and licensing partners. Visually appealing reports communicate the results of a patent analysis clearly to decision makers in a boardroom environment, even those without patent know-how. Page 54. Advert. Don't miss the obvious. Or the obscure. Identify potential partners and licensing opportunities. Monitor market trends and key competitors. Avoid infringement and parallel development with Mindsoft's web-based patent solutions. PatBase Analytics V2, Legal Status Tracker, PatKM, Site Tracker. Visit www.mindsoft.com today to keep your business on track. Mindsoft. Global Patent Solutions. Page 59. Profile. Name, Lisa Lovell. Company name, Brand Enforcement UK Limited. Country, United Kingdom. Position, CEO. Website, www.brandenforcement.go.uk. Since entering the world of intellectual property in 1998, Lisa qualified as a solicitor in 2002. Lisa Lovell has over 20 years experience in this niche legal field. She has written extensively on the subject of intellectual property theft for various publications including, World Trademark Review, Trademark World, Copyright World, Entertainment Law Review, Home Entertainment Week, Licensing Today Worldwide, Total Licensing, Toy News, World Tobacco, and Global IP Matrix. Lisa was the editor of the biannual special supplements on intellectual property published in The Times and a contributing author to the Handbook of European IP Management published by Kogan Page in 2007. Lisa has spoken at various events including the UIPO's Growing Business with IP, Milan, the Intellectual Property Crime Congress, IPCC, Brussels, and World Tobacco, Bali, Mexico, and Macau. Incorporated in March 2003 to exploit a clear gap in the market, Brand Enforcement UK Limited, BEUK was set up as an independent specialist legal consultancy and anti-counterfeiting service provider with experience in all aspects of both the criminal and civil enforcement of intellectual property rights, IPR. CEO of Buke, Lisa runs various international test purchase programs for many of the world's leading brands, spanning across many industries including fashion, electronics, printer consumables, e-cigarettes, medical devices, eyewear, and fragrances. Lisa provides her clients with law enforcement liaison support in the UK, gathers evidence by conducting test purchases of physical goods, and acts as a product expert for many of her brand owner clients. Once the evidence has been examined and determined as counterfeit, Lisa then produces the relevant expert and continuity witness statements where required. She then engages with the relevant trading standards, TS, authorities and offers further support in gathering further physical evidence and or intelligence as to the supply of the counterfeit goods. With 20 years experience in the British Army, Lisa was a member of the Royal Military Police and did an operational tour of Iraq in 2004, Optelic. A trained military diver, Lisa participated in Operation Cockney Triangle, a diving expedition in the Bermuda Triangle. Lisa has also participated in the British Army Skiing Championships and has conducted many different exercises in many different countries, including two exchange programs in both Indiana and Michigan in the USA. Due to the experience gained in her military career, Lisa also conducts investigations on counterfeit targets, including not only the individuals behind it, any company information, and details of any addresses the business is operating from.
If Trading Standards decide to bring a prosecution on behalf of the client, Lisa supports them with whatever they need in order to achieve this. If Trading Standards decide not to bring a criminal prosecution, we then work with the brand to establish a different course of action which may include a private criminal prosecution or civil enforcement. Lisa also attends raids on behalf of her brand owner clients and also training events where customs, police and trading standards officers are provided with examples of product, both counterfeit and genuine and are hopefully then enabled to conduct their own product identification on the ground. Page 60. Profile. USA. Name, Bobby Carlton. Company, Carlton PR and Marketing. Innovation Knights, Innovation Women. Country, USA. Position, Founder. Website, www.carltonmarketing.com. www.innovationwomen.com. www.innovationnights.com. Bobby Carlton, Founder of Carlton PR and Marketing, Innovation Knights, and Innovation Women, has been called Boston's Innovation Den Mother and the Startup Fairy Godmother. She's an award-winning marketing, PR, and social media professional. Bobby regularly speaks on marketing, public speaking, and women's issues. Her humorous approach and fiery let's make something happen brand is supported by the real-world results she helps drive, 1,400-plus new products launched, $3 billion in funding, 3 million monthly views, and 1,000-plus women speaking at conferences and events. Currently a parallel entrepreneur, instead of a serial entrepreneur. Bobby has spent the last 10 years building her own businesses as well as supporting client and community efforts. Previously, in addition to working with several Boston-area PR and marketing firms, she headed Global PR at Cognos and PTC, both publicly held enterprise software companies. In 2006 she switched gears, joining a startup focused on supporting self-esteem and positive role models for preteen girls through a social network and book series. In 2008, she started her own company, the first one. Carlton PR and Marketing is a boutique agency servicing a wide variety of startups and small companies, providing support for PR, content creation, social media marketing, and marketing programs. Mass Innovation Nights, MIN, is a social media-powered new product showcase and networking event. MIN has launched more than 1,400 new products for free. These startups have received more than $3 billion in collective funding. When coupled with Bobby's PR work, she figures she's helped launch more new products than any other PR person on earth. Innovation Women is an online visibility bureau, helping drive visibility for entrepreneurial, technical, and innovative women through speaking engagements. Bobby's goal is to eradicate minnows, all-male panels, and get 2,400 additional women on stage a month. This number should get us to gender equity on stage. Currently, more than 70% of all conference speakers are men. In 2010 she was called one of the 10 Bostonians who have done the most for the startup community. She's also received numerous professional awards, Marketing Sherpa Viral Campaign of the Year, several PRSA Silver Anvil's Massachusetts High Tech Luminary Award, Boston Business Journal Woman to Watch Puerto Rico News Game Changer Award, and Boston's 50 on Fire. See her TEDx talk for the Innovation Nights and Innovation Women stories. Page 61. Adverts times 4. Santiago Mediano Abogados. We provide legal consultancy in all areas of business law. Areas of expertise. Trademarks, designs, patents, 
copyrights, domain names, IP portfolio strategy, filing, prosecution and management, enforcement, unfair competition, litigation, alternative dispute resolution, anti-counterfeiting, licensing and consulting, commercial and company. Sylvia Hernandez founding partner acknowledged by WTR 1000 Chambers and Partners, IP Stars. Campo Amor, 1828000 and for Madrid, Spain, Telephone, plus 3491-310-6363, email, shernandez at santiagomediano.com. Advert 2. Next, Law Advocates is a law firm licensed to practice law in the United Republic of Tanzania and Zanzibar since 2007. RIP services include Trade and Service Marks, Tanzania and Arapo, Competition Law, Patents and Design Rights, IP Audit and Due Diligence, IP Licensing and Technology Transfer, Copyright, Media, and Entertainment, IP Litigation, Domain Management Services and Online Brand Protection Services. Next, Law Advocates, Patents, and Trademark Attorneys, 4th Floor, PPF Tower, Ohio Street slash Garden Avenue, P.O. Box 75578 Dar es Salaam, Tanzania Telephone, plus 255-22-21-35-677, Fax No, plus 255-22-21-35-678, Email, info at nextlawadvocates.com, webpage, www.nextlawadvocates.com. Advert 3. Landover and Landover. Integral services for companies and entrepreneurs. 57 years registering trademarks and patents in Latin America. Av. Aiken number 2618, Ediv. Colombia Piso 8, of 802, La Paz, Bolivia. Telephone. Plus 591-2243-2362-2430671. Email, ip at landover.com. Website, www.landover.com. Advert 4. PGG. Propiedad Intellectual, Intellectual Property. Paula Guerrero Guerrero Intellectual Property Managing Attorney, Abogada. Marcus, Derechos de Autor, Protección de Datos, Licenciamiento, Litigio Trademarks, Copyrights, Data Protection, Licensing, Litigation. Kalina de los Acanitos No. 41202C, Frag. Boulevards, now Calpan, Estado de México, 53140. Telephone, Mexico, plus 5255-2580-3366, plus 5215-5543-26646. Email, pgg at pgg.mx. Website, www.pgg.mx. Page 63. Advert. Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Women's IP World Annual. Conference and Events Seminar coming soon. Make sure to subscribe to the Women's IP World Annual, on our website to keep up to date with our progress regarding our event, schedule, and location. For further information on sponsorship, exhibiting and branding opportunities surrounding this new event, please contact us at info at womensipworld.com or call plus 44-0203-81-3457. Website, www.womensipworld.com. Last and final page. Outside back cover advertisement. Pat World.
The Global Patent Database PAT World is an innovative and cost-effective patent search tool developed by specialists to meet the needs of industry. The core of PAT World centers around an intuitive search form providing you with all the tools required to extract and analyze the results you need from over 115 million indexed patent documents covering multiple territories and languages. We have drawn on over 100 years of combined patent searching experience to develop tools and features that allow you to achieve the most from your searches. Simple to use, customize view, save search history, share folders, language translation tool, flexible payment options. Email for further info. Head office. UK email, sales at patworld.com. North America office email, sales na at patworld.com. Website, www.patworld.com. Your access to the world of patents. Search 115 plus million patent documents. We would like to thank you for taking the time out to listen to the Women's IP World Annual 2019-2020. We hope you enjoyed this experience.